You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Uh, He's going to listen in. It's okay. You know, like, hey, it's 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 all about the fan chat. Get everyone in it to talk and communicate with everyone. So, hey, everybody, welcome to Low Key Wall. All here on this other on this Wednesday. Um, yes, Christy. Yes, you've been toppled as number one cheer around here. You've got to watch more ads or put money into Twitch if you want to stay on top here on Low Key Wall. People, it's very it's highly highly competitive for um, highest tip here on the um, on, on the Low Key Wall channel. And I am actually, um, like I said, they, um, I've been having hard drive and SSD troubles this last um, week. So not only did my laptop SSD kind of like, you know, kind of get kerfuffle, but my desktop SSD is down, which is okay because I have a bunch of backup PCs. And I took, um, if you guys are gonna see this, so this is this is this is really cool. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'll take you guys on a, like on a tour. Now you, <laughs> I took a bunch of leftover 500 gig hard drives, right? Yeah, yeah, and I made uh, uh, 1.5 terabytes the hard way. Yeah, 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 raid baby. <laughs> 1.5 terabytes the was it? Wouldn't be the hard way. It's the old fashioned way. By the way, I am joined here by the um, the beautiful and lovely Reinhold. Reinhold, when you say hi. Hi. The last white rhino. It's an endangered species. Yep, he's the last male white rhino. The one and only. Yep. Don't assume that gender man. <laughs> and then we also got Escalaja Plus. Hello. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Escalaja. Hmm? I'm here. Okay. Oh, we we got <laughs> we got the monster burner or um uh, um the, you know our, our, uh, Russian killer um in Brazilian hater uh, James Nace. I, I went I went to Guitar Center bought a fucking SG and I've been playing death metal for the neighbors for like twenty minutes. James Nace, the neighbor that you all really want, the neighbor that you really really want. But yeah, so. I've got so I'm on the backup computer, so I don't have all the graphics I have, but I was able to create it, put it on this other thing. My other machine, it's coming back, but right now it is I cloning over. So I had to use Spinrite on the uh, on the drive to make sure it was still okay. Then I'm now I'm cloning it right now, so it is taking its time, carefully bringing all my data onto a new drive, so everything will work and be beautiful, and I get my get my full gaming PC back on. But since I'm a gigantic pack rat. I still got computer parts, and I've got computers. Even you guys can see, like this got this bitch match color, and luckily had like a leftover Corsair case, so you know I, I, I made it work. Uh, so I can you know get my Paladin's addiction going on and my gaming addiction, and can, you know continue doing schoolwork. Um, so the one article I wanted to go after for is it has to go back to uh, some of the thing with. Uh, going on with some of the stuff that we talked about on Tuesday night on, on the Big Show wall. I'm going to talk about uh, this one's called Building the Wall um, and Who is Going to Pay for It. Uh, this article right here, uh, switch it over. Uh, I don't have to put my push buttons to transition over here on this one, so please bear with me. I'm sorry. Um, so this one's from Mighty Car Mods talking about the Motor Trend channel or Roadkill leaving YouTube and going to their own website. Um, 
because they're not getting the ads and everything's not moving the way they are, or they're not getting everything. And uh, because uh, there has been an uproar across the webosphere and an onslaught of comments directed at Roadkill that shows hosts and motor trends, almost like it's become personal. Our inbox over the last day has been filled with emails from Mighty Comrades fans, Roku viewers, and even journalists wanting us to talk about it. It actually has nothing to do with us, nor has the business, or they ruin the business. But basically, they've been having like a huge fight there on the YouTube channel and money and ads going two different raids and, and fighting on the channel. So Roadkill and Motor Trend has decided to leave that leave that space and go on their own channel to control everything from the OSVET. So they're not getting the heat, but so they're also seeing it, even though they're coming from a, a different threshold from not being like, just like political talk and being questioned out, but they're seeing it from just be not getting the um, money numbers that they used to get from uh, YouTube and doing their own channel there. And they're pushing a lot of content to YouTube, but they're not seeing the revenue I'm getting back. Um, and Mighty Car Mods are talking about how they used to do the channel for cheap on there. It's a really, really cool article. I posted in the, uh, um, in the Deer Leaders Court like there talking about that. I'm not going to stress on it because I know a lot of you guys aren't car people, but it's a really cool article to show like, hey, some of this stuff is happening. A lot of uh, weird things are happening in other people's computer spaces that has nothing to do with politics. So it's just the platforms themselves are being under attack and going different things. So, yeah, it's just because of the funding model when it really does come to, um, especially these car builds, because a lot of these car builds are can easily get up to like, even like doing like some resto mod and like some old Subaru, you can easily spend ten to $20,000 on some of these cars. And if you're not getting that money back with like ad revenue, something like that, there's no point in doing that because if you go to your own site, you could, I am talking way fast on this. I just realized that listening myself back. Um, when you're getting your, because if you control the ads on your own site, you can um, you can get ads ad from your own company, especially when you're doing for computer builds. It's really big for them. So um, if you're you know, so if you're using like Cornwell tools or Snap-on lift parts or using Flowmaster exhaust, you can control all that and you know get the ads you want to push on your own channel and working with Discovery, you know, or like a Mighty Car Mods working with Discovery and going to television, getting really pay for the money that you're getting put into the product which sucks because mighty car mods and roadkill working together on youtube stuff like that it was, it was amazing it was beautiful watching all these different car shows coming on to youtube especially with um um ed china getting ready to start doing was going to start doing his youtube program uh which i don't know if any of you guys um huge into cars but ed china is amazing when it comes to uh cars and he, he did a um 30 minute brake job video on how to do your brakes. It is the most detailed video I've ever seen about doing brakes. It, you go well above and beyond everything you really need to do for brakes, but it is a very detailed, you know, summary on how to do a good brake job. All right, so going from there, all right, so from the non political thing, I know a lot of you got, you know, just to showing like what's going on and other things on the platform. And I get to show off Mighty Car Mods, which if you guys haven't watched a lot of Mighty Car Mods videos, they're, they're freaking hilarious. Um, I'm sure that uh, you guys have seen... Um, uh, this one has going on on the leftist sphere, too, or why are white men stockpiling guns? <laughs> Just realized that the chat room is full of uh, my voice chat. I've got a lot of white people um, in the chat room. So why are you guys stockpiling guns? Shit. <laughs> right, right. Why are you stockpiling guns? 
Well, you know, it's a, it's a retirement plan. Hmm. I actually am not stockpiling guns, so it's hard to say. I have no interest in stockpiling anything. That's a good answer. I'm not stockpiling anything. That's a good answer. Right, hold. <laughs> um, Escalija, why are you stockpiling guns? All right. He obviously said, "Come back with a warrant." We're gonna, we're just gonna assume Escalija. I stockpiled them. I had money. Yeah. I'm reading the chat here. T- um, Taylor said, like, Mighty Carbons is awesome. Went down the rap. Yeah, I, um, that's how I found Mighty Carbons one night. I went down, I was like, I was looking up, like, car things, and the next thing I know, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching all these seasons of Mighty Carbons, love looking and loving Subarus. Yeah, eight hours later, yeah, yeah, the next thing I knew, I bought a freaking Subaru from watching that freaking show. He was like, wow, this is awesome. I own a Subaru now. But yeah, like, you know, I'd stockpile them if I had any money. Yeah, Escala? Yeah, uh, I'm stockpiling guns because it pisses off liberals. Oh, okay, okay, that's good. That's good. All right, so we're gonna read this article from the uh, SouthernAmerican.com. Uh, Is there? I've been seeing like a lot of liberals post it. Uh, I brought this article up because I was like my liberal friends and um, keep posting this, you know, posting and kept talking about it. So I was like, okay, this one's interesting to talk about. Let's really jump through this article because it's, you know, it's it's freaking goofy as all heck. All right. So since 2008 election of President Obama, the number of firearms manufactured in the U.S. have tripled, while imports have doubled. This doesn't mean more households have guns than ever before. That percentage has stayed fairly steady for decades. Rather, more guns are being stockpiled by a small number of individuals. Three percent of the population now owns half of the country's firearms, says a recent definitive study from the Injury Control Research Center at Harvard University. And that is also true. It's been that way even like from the information from the Brady. Um, um, the Brady camp and from the surveys from the um, from the takedown of the uh, assault weapons ban that the, the, the is really a minority of people own guns and that minority is always going down after each you know every you know every 10 years that the number of people who actually own guns granted the people who own guns own multiple guns but the, that percentage of people of ownership is going down. So this idea of like pushing gun ownership, it is the majority is picking on and bullying the minority, which luckily, you know, the laws of this country they puts a you know firewall against them. So thankfully, it's in the Bill of Rights. If not, they probably would have been mowed over a long time ago. So who is buying all these guns and why? The short, um, broad brush answer to the first part of the question is this: men who on average possess almost twice the number of guns female owners do, but not all men. Well, you got to put that not all men. Uh, some groups of men are much more avid gun consumers than others. The American citizen most likely to own a gun is a white male, but not just any white guy, according to a growing number of scientific studies. The kind of man who stockpile weapons or applies for a concealed carry license meets a very specific profile. Oh, I bet you guys can guess this profile. These are men who are anxious about their ability to protect their families, insecure about their place in the job market, and besets by racial fears. They tend to be less educated. For, for the most part, they don't appear to be religious, and suggest one study face seems to reduce their attachment to guns. In fact, stockpiling guns seem to be a symptom of a much deeper crisis, a meaning and purpose in their lives. Taken together, these studies describe a population that is struggling to find a new story, uh, one in which they are once again the heroes. So yeah, so they're basically saying that people who are, there's the premise of this article they're setting up, is that the people who are buying and stockpiling all, gu- all these guns are white men 
who aren't that religious and who are just afraid of everything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, you know, like actually, yes. Is a doctor concealed carry permit? Myself, I'm college, I'm college educated. I um, I have a concealed carry uh, carry license. Um, I know a lot of people. My uh, my uncle, you know, he's got his master's degree. Tons of different guns. Um, yeah, yes, I, yeah, I'm sure a lot of you guys here have degrees or or. It just seems very like insulting to say that. Well, if you own, you know, if you own guns, you're not educated. You know, that's it's, it's a very insulting idea. So, whatever happened to hard work? When Northland College of Soci uh, Sociology Angela Stroud studied applications for license to carry concealed firearms in Texas, which exploded after President Obama was elected, she found applicants were overwhelmingly dominated by white men. In interviews, they told her that they wanted to protect themselves and the people they love. Radical, radical idea. And, you know, predominantly white people in Texas or just the United States in general. Wow, I'm shocked. It's almost like this country is, I don't know, 75 to, you know, what, 75% white or something? Anyways, when men become fathers or got married, they started to feel very vulnerable, like they couldn't protect families, she says. For them, owning a weapon is part of what it means to be a good husband, a good father. That meaning is rooted in fear and vulnerability, very motivation emotions. So, your idea that you want to protect your family <laughs> makes you want to own a gun. You're afraid of something, and that makes you want to own a gun. But Stroud also discovered another motivation, racial anxiety. Oh, got to tie it back to race. A lot of people talked about how important Obama was to get concealed carry license. He's for free health care. He's for welfare. They were asking whatever happened to hard work. Obama presidency, they feared would empower minorities to threaten their property and families. That's not a quote. They, they, they quoted someone for saying he's here for free health care. He's free for welfare. You know, whatever happened to hard work. They didn't. You know, the person that are quoting and say race, they added that. Right. So that's one thing to point out right there is that they're making a, a leap yep. uh, that is not backed by facts, only their own biases. Their biases that if you're against Obama or if you're afraid of Obama or whatever, it's because of racism. Something that started back in his presidency mm -hmm. has nothing to do with any reality, just that's their own biases. Right. So they built a built a narrative, and now they're trying to use. Words that they say are uh, dog whistle words mm -hmm. to to prove their case, which is just not how science is done. And this is scientific American, you said. See, that's a problem yeah, this, I have right there. Yeah, the scientific American. Yeah, it's got science in the name. Yep. Yeah, that's the other thing is like, and it doesn't like try to talk about things in any other aspect. It, uh, the the idea that. Uh, when Obama was president, this is four years after the assault weapons ban finally went. And the last time a Democrat was the, had the presidency and different houses of Congress, they pushed a, a, a gun ban and they were banning guns and put different gun control laws in there. So it seems to reason once a, uh, a, a second amendment supported Congress went out and a second and a second amendment supported president went on office that most people would, I don't know, panic and exercise their rights. Some people would. It's just, it's just something that 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 has happened. It's what happens. 
you know, and and if they did that for under Trump, like some people have, like there's a, been a lot of people that went out and got guns that are minorities that got guns under Trump, which so does it make these black people scared of white people or Trump? But eh, yeah, we'll talk about that. For many conservative men, the, the gun feels like a force for order in a chaotic world. Suggest a study published in December of last year in a series of three experiments. Stephen Shepard and Aaron C.K. asked hundreds of liberals and conservatives to imagine holding a handgun and found that conservatives felt less risk and greater person control than liberal counterparts. What? <laughs> so they asked hundreds of liberals and conservatives to imagine holding a handgun. And found that conservatives felt let risk and greater person control liberal their liberal counterparts. Shocking. I'm shocked. Shocked you said that liberals didn't didn't like imagining holding a handgun and conservatives. Meh. It was like, oh yeah, we're looking fine with this. Shocked. I'm shocked there's gambling going on in this establishment. Yeah. Shocked. Shocked that it's going on. This wasn't about familiarity with real world guns. Gun ownership and experience did not affect these results. This did not affect the results. Sure they didn't. <laughs> Instead, conservative attachment to guns was basically entirely on ideology and emotions. But the liberals one wasn't. That was based on what facts and knowledge about guns. Ooh. Just just knowledge about the fully autom fully semi auto, you know. And the shoulder thing that goes up. Oh yeah, the full, the fully semi-auto uh, double action uh, with the uh, combat with the with the kung fu grip uh, guns. That's an insight echoed by another study published last year. Baylor University so sociologist Paul Forsey and F. Carson McCann created a gun empowerment scale designed to measure how nationally representative sample of almost 600 owners felt about their weapons. Their study found that people at the highest level of the scale, the ones who felt most emotionally and morally attached to their gun, were 78% white and 65% male. Now, see, I feel this thing is skewed because I have emotional attachments to certain guns that I have because I, they were given to me by fa like uh, uh, my family member, my uncle. My uncle gave me this gun, you know, or this was my first gun I've ever fired, or this is the first gun I bought on my own, you know, or this is the first gun I hit at 500 yards, you know, this is the first rifle I hit a, tar a metal target at 500 yards. Don't you dare laugh at me. I'm an awful shot. I was <laughs> I'm an awful shot. Um, uh, and I don't care because I'll just rain more bullets down. You're eventually going to hit, right? If you just keep shooting, right? No? No? Just me, huh? Okay, fine. We found that white men who have, have experienced economic setbacks or are worried about their economic futures are the group of owners most attached to their guns. So you're telling me people who don't have a job are most attached to these gigantic expensive items that they don't want to get rid of? Shocked. Shocked them, say. Those with high attachment felt that having a gun made them, them made them a better, more respected member of the communities because they feel they could at least, you know, walk around and do, like, community watch. I don't know. That wasn't true for women and non-whites. In other words, they may have suffered setbacks, but women and people of color weren't turning to guns to make themselves feel better. This suggests that these owners had, had other sources of meaning and coping when facing hard times. Notes 4C, often religion. Indeed, Forsey and McCann found that religious faith seemed to put the brakes on white men's attachment to guns. For these economic insecure 
irreligious white men, the gun is a ubiquitous symbol of power and independence. Two things white males are worried about, says Forsey. Guns, therefore, provide a way to regain their masculinity, which they perceive has been eroded by increasing economic impotence. Forsey and Stroud found um, everything. Everything in those last two paragraphs is complete bullshit. How so? You, 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 hmm? Well, first of all, their masculinity has been lost because of eroding, eroded by increasing economic impotency. Yeah, that's not being impotent. That's nothing to do with what the reality. Is. So they're not even at, talking to these people about what's causing or taking a look at that. They're they're assuming some things right there. First of all, second of all. Um, I do believe that black people were uh, very interested in guns as part of self-defense just a few decades ago. I don't understand why they uh, failed to even acknowledge that fact and the, and the fact that gun control was put in place to begin with to um, take away people's ability to be independent and defend themselves. So you're saying like, uh, yeah, so yeah, prior between like the, the, in this, in the sixties, the, the simple fact that the Black Panther Party was all about black gun ownership, which is the main reason why gun control laws started to come out in the first place. Okay. Uh, other than the ones that were before that, which just to go after Irish bootleggers, but you know, I don't talk about those either. Well, even before that, it was, uh, Reconstruction, right? So it was still mm-hmm. keep, uh, black people, um, from having guns so that they could put in the Jim Crow laws in the, in the reconstruction era. Yep. Yep. So they also, and yeah. I, ha- hmm? I have to ask like, why possibly could the black community not see guns as a positive thing when, you know, maybe there's been a political wing of the country demonizing them as the source of everything evil in their communities for the past 30 years. Yep. You know, maybe they don't feel the same, uh, thing because the the same empowerment that your generic white guy who's non-religious feels because they don't have the same shared uh, cultural respect for the institution of gun ownership. Yeah, did, did they ask the Black Lives Matter people if they thought that gun ownership was an important thing to protect themselves against uh, things that might be going on to them? Mm-hmm. All good points. And then the thing that um, in black communities, they usually have the most gun violence, but the less uh, legal gun ownership. But a lot of black people are denied the ability to um, own handguns because most black people live in inner cities, which have this, some of the strictest rules of getting a concealed carry permit. Um, Indianapolis is one of the larger cities. that you, It's very easy to get a concealed weapons permit here in Indianapolis. Uh, most larger cities. Well, on top on top of that, too, is how many in the in those communities have been caught up in the drug war and therefore have felonies on their record and therefore cannot own guns? Correct. Yeah, getting felonies in their teenage years for zero tolerance policies in high school. You know, and getting caught, you know, getting caught up as like yeah, and, and silly felonies. You know, it's or not be able to get it because of the way that they prosecute um, uh, single fa- uh, single fathers um, for the under deadbeat dad laws. Um, granted, the product inside the black community is not only a black issue, but, you know, it's a gigantic problem in the black community. So, you know, and in a lot of cities where which black goes back people, to Which goes back to the drug laws. If they're yeah. in jail, they can't really be stay-at-home, you know, dads yeah. if they're sitting in a prison cell. Well, yeah, that and... Um, 
a lot of cities, that, uh, for concealed carry permits, you have to show a need. And, and a lot of cities being uh, for personal security and stuff like that, for afraid, that's usually not seen as a specific need. You don't need the gun at that point. They'll let well, like, and, reporters and, the, and stuff and have that if they're depending on their jobs. Yeah. Yeah, the other problem with the having to show a need is that you have to go talk to the sheriff, basically, is what mm-hmm. happens. And you have to have a conversation with them. When you're having a conversation with him, he's going to look at you and say, you know, it, it's very possible. And I know it happens in some locations where the sheriff will say, oh, you're a person of color. Therefore, I'm not going to give you one no matter what your need is. Yep. Yep. You know, there yep. is some inherent racism going on there. Yep. Yep. And even like that, uh, Derek J. Freeman in Keene, New Hampshire, like a massive gun free state, but their concealed, their concealed carry permits are, um, shell issue. And he was in nine for several years in Keene. He wasn't until he moved out of Keene and got a different judge and different police department that didn't know him and didn't know him as a, just a gay man walking around the town. Boom. Stamped and got his concealed weapons permit. It was that easy. He fought for years to get it. Went to court several different times. Couldn't get anything. Moved halfway across the state. Boom. Got it. It's ridiculous. It's okay. So, uh, back to this ridiculous article. <laughs> of course, it's ridiculous. And, um, well, this 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 should be on Daily Coast. I'm not a Scientific American. That's what I don't understand. Is, so, this is is this a blog post or is this some sort of research paper that they're trying to put out? Um, this is under observations. I, I, I scrolled it because I remember there was like some weird turn that they called it. Like, we we're just observing. This is an observation. So, like, so ob ed. <laughs> it's not an op ed, it's an op op ed. Get it? It's an observation. And the author is Jeremy Smith, it says? Yes. Yeah. Jeremy Adam Smith. It's nice. I'm going to assume generic white guy name. All right, uh, where was I? All right, so, and this is interesting because these men tend to see themselves as devoted patriots, but make a distinction between the federal government and the nation, says Borsi. On that point, I expect that many in this group see the nation as being white. (laughs) I expect that many in this group see the nation as being white. So they didn't say that. They, they didn't say that. You just expect that. Oh, awesome. Okay. Investing in, investing guns with this kind of moral and emotional meaning has many more consequences, the researcher says. But simply owners who are more attached to their guns are most likely to believe that guns are a solution to our social ills, says Forsey. For them, more good people with guns would drastically reduce violence and increase civility. Again, it reflects a hero na- narrative, which... Many white men long to feel a part of. All right, so they're talking about the hero narrative and stuff like that. But the whole when they keep talking about like we're good people with the guns. Well, they, the thing is, what a lot of people don't understand when they say good people with the guns, they're also talking about good police officers. Because I don't know if anyone knows, most cops have guns, at least the good ones do. And that's the main reason you call a cop because they bring guns. You know, if they're just going to be guys who show up with, uh, you know, with a shovel, it's like calling you last them. You know, call my cousins who's going to show up with guns. <laughs> you know, that's the main reason I call cops. Show up with guns. You know, and the other thing is, is like you know, they always like, well, like, how are you going to start a bad person with a gun? You need a good guy with a gun because a good guy with a stick versus a bad guy with a gun, it just doesn't work out that way. 
Strode's work echo echoes this conclusion. They tell themselves all kinds of stories about criminals and criminalization victimization, she says, but the story isn't just about criminals, it's about the good guy, and that's how they see themselves. I work hard, I take care of my family, and they are people who aren't like that. When we tell stories about the other, we're really telling stories about ourselves. And so that's what they're doing, what Jeremy's doing for this whole thing. But anyways, when it comes down to it, to a lot of people, they see that uh, May, uh, Lech and I just posted, uh, just caught me off guard in the chat real talking about like, yeah, we may issue your own inalienable right back to you, yes. But yeah, the idea that uh, most people do see themselves as good, it's almost like reading this, this past paragraph is like, well, Jeremy, do you not see yourself as a good guy? Do you not see yourself as a hero? If a fire broke out, would you not try to stop it and think you could put that fire out because you got access to a fire extinguisher? You know? And now, granted, do a lot of guys romanticize about the whole, they think they're, you know, they think when an active shooter's gonna happen, they're gonna pop out their Glocks and turn into John Wick? Meh, a lot of people do that. But of course, a lot of guys do that anyways. It's the reason why we watch movies like that. It's, uh, they're power fantasies, you know? It's, it's, it's the male power fantasy movies. Now, granted, there are female power fantasy movies, and any woman who says there aren't female power fantasy movies, they're not being honest to themselves. And if you don't think so, and then you can instantly go through, ask them for their top ten uh, um, 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 list of movies, and you will also see there, <laughs> you will see <laughs> what, a, what a female power fantasy movie is, because a lot of those movies will have a, you know, the same type of string going through it. Anyways... Back to this thing, but the idea that it's like, yes, I work hard, I take care of my family. They basically decide, like, hey, I'm a law-abiding citizen. I do good work. I take care of my family. I obey the law. I'm a good person. You know, they they help people. That's that's what most people see themselves as, and they're most using guys like, well, that's a negative. So what? Would you want someone with these guys with the guns? Is like, no, no, I am a. Um, you know, I'm thinking of that scene from um, uh, uh, Daredevil when, uh, you know, the kingpin is going to prison. And it's like, I used to think of myself as a Samaritan in that story. But I found out just the ill intent. <laughs> I'm probably the only one that's seen that. Or I, I, I love watching that scene. It's really like, the, I don't know if you've ever watched the TV show. Have you guys ever watched the, um, the Netflix um, and the MCU Daredevil? A couple of episodes. I'm I'm really not into the DC side of things. I'm more of a Marvel guy. Yeah, yeah, Marvel. Yeah, Daredevil, Marvel. Oh, it's Marvel. It's Daredevil's Marvel. I'm sorry. You're right. Um, no, yeah, I just haven't 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 gone into the Daredevil yet. I'm the Netflix episodes. I'm still the Agent of Shield guy, so you know that. So. Uh, that's a junk. That's the junk part of the MCU. Uh, if you get to the no, it's good- not actually. No, the, no, sorry. How do I cut your mic off? <laughs> the uh, Daredevils, the because um, if you got the you know God tier, you know it's the movies, the Marvel movies, right? And then you've got the Netflix stuff, and then Agents of Shield is like down there in the basement somewhere by the garbage pit. But anyways, really, because because they actually have the movie stars actually on the show from time to time, whereas I don't see that happening in the Daredevil. Uh, the Netflix series doesn't need big name superstars to pump up their numbers. But anyways, the um, the character, the guy who plays Wilson Fisk in the uh, in Daredevil, it has to be one of the um, how can I put it the like. A hidden gem in the whole uh, um, um, like MCU is like you really want this guy to have like 
I want him to have his movie. I want him in a Spider-Man thing. He, he plays Kingpin so well. Uh, I can't remember. I can't remember think of the name of him. And with doing the stream right now, it's kind of hard to load up of IMDb. See if I can get IMDb to load up. Oh, for some reason. It... Yeah, fix my shit. And by the way, while you're doing that, just to let you know, I did look up Jeremy Adams Smith, and what he wrote does not surprise me in any regard based off of uh, what I'm looking here. Yeah, uh, got, so got, he got he got popular. He got popular by writing something called The Daddy Shift, How Stay-at-Home Dads, Breadwinning Moms, and Shared Parenting are Transformed in the American Family. And well, then he's gone on to write a lot about uh, racism. In uh, San Francisco, pro or anti? <laughs> you mean pro or anti? Uh, if uh, racism? Yeah, like, is he is he anti-racism or pro-racism? I think he's anti-racism, but in the backhandedly pro because he doesn't realize some of the impacts of what he's saying. To put it that way, so he's been on Nightline, and so he's got his own blog. He, he he's been public. He started off as a UC Berkeley guy, right? So. That kind of tells you really a lot of what you need to know right there. Yep. Uh, I'm reading the chat. Um, yep. Uh, Christy says she watched The Defenders and Punisher. Yep. Yeah. It's it's really cool to binge. And I just got done with a, a rewatch to Jessica Jones season two. Did a second two to time watch through that one. I really did like the Jessica Jones. Just be careful watching Jessica Jones season uh, because she kind of makes you want to drink because she's drinks through the whole thing and you're you know and you just kind of like sympathy you know like want to like sympathy drink next to her like she's drinking whiskey. Maybe I should drink whiskey. But yeah. So yeah, the whole article is like this idea of, um, we're almost finished with it, um, how to save a white man's life. Unfortunately, the people most likely to be killed by the guns of white men are the bad guys, presumably criminals or terrorists. It's themselves and their families. White men are just the Americans most likely to own guns, according to the Centers of Disease Control, Control and Prevention. They're also the people most likely to put them in their own mouths and pull the trigger. Especially when they're in some kind of economic distress. A white man is three times more likely to shoot himself than a black man, while the chances that a white man will be killed by a black man are extremely slight. Most murders and shootouts don't happen between strangers. They unfold within social networks and among others of the same race. A gun in the home is far more likely to kill or wound the people who live there than there is a burglar or serial killer. Most of the time, according to every single study there's ever been done about interpersonal gun violence, the dead and wounded know the people who shot them. A gun in the home makes it five times more likely that a woman will be killed by her husband. Every week in America, 136 children and teenagers are shot, and more often than not, is a sibling, a friend, a parent, or relative who holds the gun. For every homicide deemed justified by the police, guns are used in 78 suicides. A new study published this month in JAMA International Medicine once again shows us restrictive gun laws don't prevent white men from defending themselves and their families. Instead, those laws stop them from shooting themselves and each other. Sorry, but the problem with that statistic is that they ignore the fact that over a million people every year defend themselves from a violent crime with a gun. Correct. Who's the status to tell me I can't shoot myself? That's the other thing. It's like, uh, well, you know, like, you can do the same thing. Like, because a lot of people die uh, by suicide by cop, hanging themselves, taking different um, um, pills and stuff like that. Well, and it's, and it's, and it's, it's, 
they conflate those numbers, right? So they, they say that you're, you're more likely to be shot in your own home because they include the suicide numbers. Then they focus on the, well, the woman's going to be killed by her husband. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, how often does that happen compared to the actual number of deaths you're talking about in total, which are mostly suicides? Right. Then it also like, and it doesn't, it doesn't uh, even mention people like defensive use of firearms, which happens every day, every day. You know, um, like I remember, like a, I think, like a, my wife had her concealed carry permit for about what's it like three or five years before she actually had it. You know, use her gun to defend herself in just a um, a uh, uh, like what was it a uh, what's the word I'm looking for a road rage incident. The guy, you know, like got angry because like she parked in the parking spot that she, you know he wanted, and they got argument, you know, and he, you know stopped his car in the middle of the street and started to approach her car, you know, you know, and she, you know, did she, uh, did she, uh, she draw not fired? Heck yeah. She drew and didn't fire. Right. Which, you know, with a guy parking in the middle of the street, blocking traffic, come marching at you. Hey, you know, jury in the world would have, you know, like would have prosecuted for pulling the trigger, but luckily she didn't have to. Guy saw the gun and backed off. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's either his brain finally realized what the heck he was doing at that point. Like he snapped, that lizard brain of his probably snapped back, you know. But and it's luckily, you know, she didn't shut the fire on anybody. So, but that whole and there's several different cases of like uh, the like the uh, school resource officer using his gun to stop a mass shooting. The, uh, the uh, what was it? Uh, Jeremy Stevens, the guy who used his AR-15 to stop the uh, mass murder at there was that a church shooting in Texas. Um, or just several different, like, just people just using their guns and just every day in this country that either don't get reported or just, like, hushed away in other police districts because no one cares about, like, defensive use of a firearm. So what are the solutions? That many other studies suggest that restricting the flow of guns and ammunition would certainly save lives, but no law can address the absence of meaning and purpose that many white men appear to feel, which they might be able to gain through social connection to people who never expected to have the economic security and social power that white men once enjoyed. Ridicule of working class white people is not helpful, says Angela Stroud. We need to push the good guys to have a deeper connection to other people. We need to reimagine who we are to, to relation to each other. Which, yeah, that is true, but this article seems nothing to do but, you know, with, um, like, this is the, like, the blade of a wedge to, like, divide people. Like, well, you know, according to this article in these studies, you know, you only have your gun and have attachment to your gun because you're just a weak white guy who feels insecure. Wow. Good way to start a conversation there, dude. Listen, I studied the blade while you were busy chasing girls. Uh, you know, it's like <laughs> I studied the blade. You know, and like the, you know, it's, and it shows just like, okay, then if you can, then, so if majority of the guns are in white people's hands and majority of them <laughs> are, um, and, and, the, and it's a very minority of white people, then what's really the issue? You know, considering then, then why are most of the gun crimes are, you know, especially like Atlanta, Chicago, and Detroit are done by black people? Then <laughs> explain that thing. Like, explain where, that thing. Where, where do they get the statistics that white people have? I mean, there's there's more white people than any other type of person in the U.S. But mm-hmm. did, did you stretch it based on like sales from gun shops? I mean, like I know plenty of black people that have guns. Did they get them from gun shops? No, they didn't. So are they registered? Probably not. Um, 
it's not like that, you know, other, other races and minorities don't have weapons out the ass. Like they are like, you, you can go, uh, they did like a Dateline NBC or whatever thing on, uh, the most dangerous part of Detroit. And it's just like this black woman. It's like, yo, I got my pump action shotgun right here. Here's my fucking 45. Here's my like eight shot revolver and my like dash box. She had like nine guns in her house. It's like, why? Cause well, there's gang violence, you know, I got to be popping off at any given time. Like if I go to the car, they're going to shoot me there. They're going to break into my house. She had like nine guns, like in every fucking room, she sleeps with a gun under a pillow. And it's just like, you know, did she buy those guns legally? Probably not. But a lot of people don't buy their guns legally, and those aren't guns aren't reported either. So they're like, well, white people buy them. I'm like, well, they probably just buy expensive-ass guns from gun shops. I can go to a fucking trade show and walk out with an AK and never register it. Right. And, and the other thing, too, is, is even if you're registering it, is one of the questions they're asking you when you register it, what your race is? I sure wouldn't answer that question if they were to ask me that. I mean, like, this is real. So like, where are they getting the stats from? it's like how how many people like we go to the east side of indianapolis and we just say okay just remove all the white people let's look at like the latino community the burmese community and the african-american community right let's look at these communities how many of those people do you think are packing heat when they're on the street probably a fucking lot you know it is what it is um so when they say like oh white people buy all the guns and they have the most guns they're afraid of this it's like no everybody has guns you know it's it's not it's not a rarity. It's not like it's, well, only these white people have them all. Like rooftop Koreans. And it's like the number they have now for how many Americans have guns. It's not accurate. There's a lot more people that have guns than that. Even Everybody's, you know, upset about the, the over 100, you know, million, whatever guns. But that's just the ones that they have in some database I know about. Mm-hmm. How, many, how many people have guns that are handed down from family member to family member through the generations? You know. Come back with a warrant. Uh, those those don't come, you know. Those don't show up in that list. Yep. Especially like uh, that means, um, and because of the um, uh, what is it the uh, the the not assault weapon? What's it? Uh, um, Eighty six uh, gun control law, which the outlaw the transferring of full auto guns like without that massive tax data. So there's a lot of full. There was a lot of full auto, you know, handguns that get passed around that aren't off off. Any slip just because, like, hey, somebody's grandpa died, and you know they still got their M1 tops, and they didn't give it back. They still have it. So, so this article just reads of somebody who doesn't really listen to what people are saying. They're trying to create a narrative and taking what they're hearing and uh, putting it into, you know, into the the evidence pile of what what they're trying to get across. Right. So that's not you know honest reporting. Hashtag what do you carry? Uh, come back with a wart. Uh, might be entertained. How about that? Did you see the uh, dad jokes that I posted earlier from Reason? I, I saw that. Um, those um, those dad jokes, some of them I actually th- thought was funny. And the yeah. um, the other guy on the other side of the table, his dad jokes were dark. Those were dark. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at those like, that is dark. That was whoa. You know, it's like <laughs> the one was knock knock. Do you have a warrant? Yeah, you know, because I really do. I I think that one is like, what did communists used to um, heat their whole, uh, houses up before? Uh, you know, light their houses up before candles. You <laughs> know, electricity. Oh man, good old Venezuela. Uh, yeah, I love that.
Oh yeah. So so now you guys know why white people are stockpiling guns. Um, another thing, this case is coming out in San Francisco, uh, not San Francisco, to um, what is it? Uh, Sacramento. Yeah, the Sacramento Bee. This is another unarmed black man shot by police officers. Um, we're just getting crazy news. Um, black man shot by police officer was carrying a cell phone out of toolbar when the police were shot at this police department. If you run down of this article here, um, deals the time I wouldn't like go through this whole one, but the police were called out to the neighborhood saying that someone was breaking into cars and using a toolbar to bust windows, right, to break in and steal things out of cars. The Sacramento Police Department used their helicopter to look at to look around the neighborhood to try to find this person actively breaking into cars. They noticed this man in the backyard, matched the description, which the description was a black male, six foot one black male, jeans and a t-shirt. We um, see this black guy in the backyard. So the and they noticed they talked to SWAT on the ground. Uh, the police, not SWAT, but the police on the ground, directed him to his position. So when they went over there, he had his phone in his hand, sees the police, like, what do you want? And they said, oh, that cell phone looks like a gun, and shot this man, and shot this unarmed black man. Which they try to say that the first update, like, the, um, this way this thing says update, because the first report of this whole thing was that he had a, a toolbar in his hand. It was a toolbar. You know, he had a looked like a, you know, bar weapon, but it turned out, nope, that's nope, that was misreported, and it turns out he was just had a cell phone in his hand, and they said the cell phone in his hand made it look like he had a gun. <sighs> yeah, and of course, like, the uh, police officer fearing for their safety, the officer fired multiple shots at Clark at 9.26 p.m., hitting him several times. The two were involved in the shooting, um, then held their position for about five minutes until additional officers arrived before approaching the victim. And this is probably how he really died. He bled out because they shot him, they dropped him, and then held position. And wouldn't let anyone else approach and approach. Anyone else does that. Like, if you were in a um, defensive position, and if you shot somebody, right, and you didn't call, like, paramedics, help assessing this guy's wounds, you're going to jail, sir. <laughs> and that's the biggest problem most people have, police officers. Not that we don't feel, not that we don't feel that police officers and stuff like that, police force is not a necessary thing in, in, in this day and age, is that, that they're, uh, they're, the way they interact with the public, the way they are, have such immunity, that's the biggest problem. Is because anyone else this happened to, they're going to jail. They're not going home. They're not getting paid leave. This, and they're trying to say like, and the idea of like, well, they feared for their safety. I'm like, there's like four of y'all, and this one gun back in the backyard with the with his handgun. You had a helicopter in the sky. Who's really in danger here? Well, I mean, realistically, it's true that if he did have a gun, he could have got a shot off and hurt somebody. Right, he would have been dead, but that could have happened. But the problem is, is that police officers are no longer trained. It seems to me to be able to act responsibly in those sorts of situations, to be able to identify a, a threat reasonably. Mm-hmm. They and go to an initial. Everybody has a gun. We're we're going to do fire first and ask questions later. That sort of thing. Right. They could have 
got into a defensive position behind the doors of their car or whatever and taken a second to analyze the situation to find out the guy was not dangerous. He wasn't pointing anything at them. He had it in his hand. They could have taken a second to look at it. They were in a defensive position to be able to do that. That's the problem. Yep. Yep. They have loudspeakers. They have the everything. They could set in a car like you in the backyard. You, you know, we've got the... Get the, you know, when it's, you know, most criminals, they see a helicopter in the sky, lights pointing down or what have you on them. They're going, you know, they're going to stop. You know, the helicopter's on you. At 925, the light's shining down down there. If he really was a, you know, criminal with a gun, most of the time they're going to drop, the, you know, drop the, um, drop that. Or why didn't they have a canine unit? Shouldn't a canine in there? Or any other host of different or things. Just, just, now- just a shield, right? So you can buy shields that have, you know, um, bulletproof glass that you can see through and you can put them up in front of you and you could take the second to analyze the situation, be fully protected during that moment. I'd rather the the police spend money on those in order to allow us to have, you know, proper interactions with, with dangerous situations than to give them better and faster guns. They can just shoot first and ask questions later. They're making robot cops, you know, like like literally robo cops, just machines that can identify things like on the spot. Where it's just like, you know, I think Japan started introducing these. Where it's if there's a crime, the robot basically analyzes the situation. It's like I'll scan you. You know, um, I don't think the robot would fuck up like the people fuck up. You know, the robot's not going to be like halt minority. He's got a gun. It's like it's a salad bowl. He's got a gun. Dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the robot can at least assess it. Um, or it's programmed to assess. You know, you, you can do a scan. It's like, is this metal or is this plastic? You know, is it okay if it's plastic? Does it fit the database for a gun and that? So I think as time goes on, when you start to get away from people policing, because people make mistakes all the time, you know, yeah. like you just fuck up loyally. Um, technology could at least amplify it to a point where you don't have to rely on like street beat cops anymore. Like they're, they're outdated anyway. Like the, the, the fucking cop in the Florida shooting, he's like 50 something years old and he's sitting at the school resource desk and he's been on like autopilot for 15 years. You know, like you're basically mm-hmm. too old and too unfit to be on patrol. Um, so we sent you at the desk when stuff actually happens, he didn't know what to do. Like he's so mistrained and he hasn't been to training for like a decade. Doesn't know what to do. So he runs and hides in the parking lot. Then you get the, the the cop in the other school who shot the shooter after he like shot two people, and like, you know that dude's got like prison tattoos and shit. This motherfucker was ready to go from day one. You know this is what he lived for. You know he's ready to go, and it's you have like two, at least in policing, like these two different types of mentalities. You get these old ass cops that don't know what to do anymore and they're lazy, and then you get these people that join the force that are like off the chain, you know, like the guy in the hotel, like the, he came out cause he had like a bug, like uh, a bug spraying gun. Mm-hmm. And the guy just mag dumped him, you know, like immediately as soon as he got on the floor. Um, there's, there's, there's just two extremes of cops. You don't have like a reasonable police officer. You just have like an amped up, roided out fucking asshole with a gun or an incompetent fat ass, you know? <laughs> um, I'm kind of with you that like I think we should expect better from police officers. To me, I've always said that um, police officers, if they're going to be cops, they should be almost considered like as 
um, above everyone else, just kind of like how DOT standard, uh, uh, yeah, um, the DOT standards for if you if you're a DOT licensed um, driver in, in the United States, uh, you were you're considered intoxicated. Was it point oh four? You know, you sip a beer. You know, your standards are much lower than anyone else because you're you know you're DOT uh, you're a DOT driver. So why can't we make our cops above and beyond. They don't have qualified immunity with this. Um, we require cops to have a bachelor's degree in free law. You have to have a free law four year degree. I'm sorry. So what you, if you want a gun, you have to be free law. Um, I think um, the idea of cops having black uniforms and dark uniforms is stupid. Heroes wear white. They should have wear all white uniforms like the Lone Ranger. And if they're talking about like, what about situations where they need to be like, come in covertly? Well, that's SWAT and they need to back up and let SWAT do that. The other thing with this thing is like, these two officers came in there, right, and waited for help. They were so worried and so gun ho with two of them to come in to find out where this guy is, shoot him, and they got scared and then stopped. If you're so scared about this guy, why the heck the two of you guys go in there? If you had an eye in the sky and two, and you know, two, one is you, he wasn't going anywhere. You could have called, waited for backup, and just waited. It was like, oh, that's 2020, the moment of situation. No, there's no moment of situation. You know, I've, you know, you just wait. You know, hey, surrender. Not going to surrender, or you're not going to go in there. There's just two of us. We got to go in there afraid. No, screw that noise. Just wait. Just wait. The helicopter's watching him. He ain't going anywhere. Okay, and the thing is that the thing is, we're talking about uh, personal property damage and theft. He wasn't. You know, this wasn't a, a violent killer that was going around killing people. Okay, he wasn't going around um, uh, like uh, you know, like murdering people or like bombing people. He was going around breaking. Like there was a talk. It was a it was a call for someone going around breaking car windows. And they're coming in with guns drawn for somebody breaking car windows, like almost like a you know almost like a juvenile of the, the thought. The thing that really angers people is that you can just oppose like this guy getting shot up like this, and then you can watch some pumpkin chuckers and Keens and college white college kids, and they have to throw pumpkins and stuff at cops, and they don't get up, you know, getting shot. The other thing that goes like this, and the main reason probably why this kid died is he just suffered injuries, is because, like I said, they waited five minutes until backup. Instead of going in that scene after shooting this person and started administering first aid on this person. Sorry, it's just, you know, really frustrating. Yeah, um, going to the chat, Toad or Boats, yeah, I think older cops make are better for um, schools. Yeah, my wife was a police dispatcher for co for a college. Most of the officers were retired Louisville police. She, she said she had a new cop that was trying to interrogate someone over a dime sack, trying to find the dealer. Yep, yep, so you got that guy over there that, you know, basically thinking he's on NYPD blue or cops and stuff like that. You know, they get all ramped up and thinking they're, you know, like on some Rambo mission. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, you know, it's, you know, the, the, a lot of the cops, they, you know, in some places they, act, some of them act like, you know, they're in freaking Fallujah, you know, that and they, you know, they treat, you know, walking around the, you know, walking around the United States streets like it's some freaking war zone out here. It's freaking nuts. You know, it's countless people have see countless interactions with people in scarier, worse situations, and they do not manage to shoot somebody. Okay, how many meter readers have gone through someone's backyard, thought someone pulled a gun on them? You know, you know, and they're just oh, I'm just reading the meter, man. I'm just reading the meter. You know, they don't shoot anybody. It's ridiculous. We should expect more from police officers. You know, they have the, they they have the ability to basically like to. 
to uh, what to end someone's rights, to basically to to stop someone, to attain to people, to we're allowing these people to basically uh, to pick up people, but from them fearing for their own safety, it just shows you that they are a a different, higher person. If they can fear for their safety and that their safety is worth more than yours, that's what that's what I think is ridiculous. You know, a lot of people say like a lot of people say like, well, Harry, you're not a cop, you want to know? It's like, hey. If that was a copy, I'd be the most beat, you know, most cops wouldn't like, most people wouldn't like me, because like I said, in that situation, I'd held position, kept surveillance on the guy, or the other thing, I would have looked at them and like, hmm, this is just property damage, we'll find this guy, it's just property damage, this guy died for property damage, you know, it's, it's ridiculous, sorry, that's my rant on that. I mean, you just need more cops like Assy McGee, right? Oh. <laughs> but they have more cops like Archer. Assy McGee, good old Assy McGee. Are there detectives like that anymore? You know, like in the police force, where it's just like he wakes up at like four o'clock in the afternoon, drunk off whiskey and shit, being like, "Oh, I fucking hate my life." Now let's go find this pedophile. <laughs> Assy McGee is a an Adult Swim TV show for all those who are like to hex an Assy McGee, you know. But yeah, that's a, some of the ridiculous stuff that goes on with all that crap. You know, it's, like I said, I'm not anti-cop, I'm anti-asshole, I'm anti, like, this whole, you know, you know, acting like the, you know, this war, that the United States is a freaking war zone, you know? If so many convenience store workers every night can sit there and not shoot somebody, and they see some weirdo people that come through their gas stations, and they manage not to shoot anybody, you know, why can't you? Why can't you? And that's not all police cops. All that. Uh, that's not all police department and cops. Lawrence Police Department. They do a very good job of calling for backup. More backup than it's needed. But hey, they ain't shooting people. In the, they ain't shooting people. You know, unless they run from cops and actually show violence. You know, you know it's so. Hey, you know, I I I, I congratulate Lawrence on that. Are you okay. <laughs> when, when when they fuck up, they go on damage control. Like uh, the guy that shot the Florida school, right? The, the police department in the courts, like his brother trespassed, right? Which is basically walked on property, told him not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's trespassing. And like the police departments have, were so fucked up from like this entire debacle that the court slapped a $500,000 bond on him for trespassing. The, the trespassing bond is $25. You know, so it's just like, then you look at it, it's like, well, basically because he's the shooter's brother, you're, you're holding him accountable for it. Mm. And, and it's not just that. Like, there, there's also the, the sheriff, like, three counties over, who appropriated, like, $750,000 in inmate uh, food money, which was basically a grant that the federal government gave the county of Florida uh, to update the food supply and update the utensils and all that fun stuff. Like, mm. he appropriated it because there's a law in the books, right, that if you appropriate money to the sheriff's department, the sheriff can spend it as he sees fit. So he bought like a vacation house in Palm Springs. You know, it's like, what? And he's like, well, it's not legal. So when someone called him out, right? Mm-hmm. So like, uh, someone's like, you know, blah, 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 he's doing this. You know, he's paying it with pension uh, pr- uh, prisoner, uh, you know, funds. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the guy arrested, right? And for uh, He got a, an anonymous tip. Well, you know, quote unquote anonymous tip. Anonymous the guy tip. was smoking weed. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the guy was smoking weed. I'm like, well, who's the anonymous tip? Like, the guy was mowing your grass, got a check, and the check looked funny, so he reported. 
this to the news, and that's when that story busted. But I'm like, you know, you had to know the dude was a stoner. Like the first thing that he smoked weed, and I probably would bet the only reason you know he smoked weed is because you probably smoked it with him. <laughs> you know, it's so the sheriff got that anonymous tip right at his house. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the police department, right? The the local police department was like, okay, it's just minor possession. You know, it's mm-hmm. he has four grams. It's minor possession. The sheriff's office, after he was arrested, added seven new charges to him, right? Mm-hmm. Seven new charges. And the, the police department's like, where do these charges come from? And like, oh, they, they made uh, butter, you know, marijuana butter out of it. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, that doesn't make sense. So they charged him with having 40 grams of marijuana, which is felony mm-hmm. trafficking, which is life mm-hmm. in prison in uh, Alabama, uh, three counties over from the Florida. And so it's felony trafficking. And they try to get where the math was. And the sheriff department said, the moment you put the weed in the butter, all the butter becomes marijuana. So, like, basically anything the marijuana touched in the house, he contributed to marijuana just to get, like, from, like, 20 grams to 40 grams to 80 grams to 100 grams. So the sheriff office throws a fucking charge of, like, felony trafficking on the dude just to lock him up. And that's just how the police department works there. <laughs> you know, it's like... uh Guy points out that you're being corrupt as fuck. So how do you how do you deal with the situation? We'll just be even more corrupt. You know, we'll we'll, yeah. we'll make charges up out of thin air. So it's not even like you can change it. You know, even with like the bad police and the qualified immunity, and like you know, like well, he just shot another person. With, what are they going to do about it? It's like you know, you can't because if you, if you start to protest them or you start to say shit to, about them or you start to like threaten their union pensions. They just make charges up on you, like you know, pull you over for a stop, like a, a, a failed tail light. Oh, we think you have drugs in the car. Boom, where do these drugs come from? And that happens every fucking day. You know, it's just like the the they can just add random ass charges. If a, if a cop can say like you, you put like a gram of weed in butter, now it's forty grams of weed because you put it in butter. You're just making shit up on the, on the spot. And how often does that happen? Uh, there was also a case about that too, where um, the um, the police department, yeah, the guy was making butter and edibles, and yeah, they counted the like the pounds of flour, the milk in the fridge, you know, the sugar, all of it counted up. They used it as the um, the weights to for this trial, and it's you know that's you know freaking yeah yeah it's freaking corrupt and freaking damage control, and to go after someone that was like, hey hey look look you know they're bad. Okay, fine then we can just you know we'll just arrest somebody and like. You know, and and get them on anything. You know, it's and using drugs as an excuse. Ridiculous, ridiculousness. But it's like, where'd you get the anonymous tip? You know, it's not like it, it was so inconspicuous, you know, or mm-hmm. weird that he reports something on you that you're basically stealing money from the taxpayers, and then the very next day you get an anonymous tip that he's smoking weed in the house. You know, it's like that's a really weird sequence of events. Um. You, the only way I can think of it is like, like I said, like he knew he was smoking weed because he was probably smoking weed with that kid. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's, it's not bullshit here. It's like how how is it like the kid embarrasses you on on the media, right? Just embarrasses your ass all throughout the county where you're going to lose the next election cycle. Just embarrasses the shit out of you, and the very next day you raid his house because of an anonymous tip. Like shit just doesn't happen like that. You know, that's too coincidental for that to happen. Right. So somehow, some way, you got information, or somehow you already knew he had marijuana, and you just went and raided him anyway. Mm-hmm. So, so it's just, you know, yeah. why? 
corrupt ass shit in that, in that county. And it's just like adding charges and stuff because you're stealing money because the law says you can steal money. And that's that's the problem with policing is the way the laws are set up. Like if you're if the police are legally allowed to steal your money, legally allowed to spend it any way they want to, mm-hmm. uh, legally are allowed to like, get out of any charges pushed against them, it, it, there's no incentive for them to change. You know, it's like if I can shoot you and get away with it, I can rob you and get away with it. Why, why should I be a better police officer? You know, why should I change the way I do things? Because I can just draw, I can just mag dump you and steal your shit. And at best I get paid vacation. Yep. Yep. It's like those Baltimore police department that was like, so uh, to uh, carrying on, like they had toy guns on them uh, to plant on people. Oh, he must've had this gun on them. And yeah, it's yeah, it's huge cases, and it just shows that like more and more and more police of these bad apples in the police department make all police like you know look bad because of these you know um, it's almost feel like instead of saying a few bad apples, like there's a lot of these bad apples in here that are do you know doing bad work, and a lot and that badness is getting to the top. Well, let's just say, like, you got so much heat on you from the shit you've done in the town, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you got so much shit on you that you're forced to resign. Like, basically, it's like, okay, we just don't want the bad press anymore, so I'm just going to resign this officer. Yeah. You, you resign, but the police union just gets you another job the next city over. Right. You know? So it's like, it's not like a medical profession. Like, if I were a doctor and I were to fuck up so severely, like, oh, I'm supposed to amputate, like, the left leg, but I amputate an arm instead? Like, mm-hmm. just, gross malpractice, right? I lose my medical license. I can't be a doctor anymore. You know, it doesn't matter where I go. I can't be a doctor anymore. It's always on my record that, oh, I killed somebody in surgery because I fucked up when I was drunk on the job or whatever. So like uh, some, some sort of like national um, licensee for police officer board to keep yeah, like it, a national database? They won't do it. The, the main problem is a public sector union. You know, mm-hmm. it, the reason why all this shit exists is because there's a union for them. And it's a union that basically says, you know, we'll cover you no matter what. That's not what the unions are for. The unions are for collective bargaining so, like, you don't just get fucked over by your employer, right? That's mm-hmm. what a union is for. But the union for the police, the fraternal order of police departments and all these other minor unions, they're basically just the legal arm for the police department. Like, anytime something goes bad, the FOP is up there saying, like, well, we're going to make it right. You know, so if you have this huge fucking organization that basically would bribe politicians nonstop where, you know, we'll donate to your campaign. If you make these laws strict, you don't do this certain laws. Like you have way too much power. It's, it's almost like they're, they're not a, a police class, but they're a praetorian class. They're like the guards of an emperor, you know, where it's, I protect the emperor. The emperor protects me at this point. So, you know, even like the other people in the society are just don't know how to deal with it because there's nothing you can do. You're you're fucking touching a, a holy sanctuary. You know, it, they run small towns. You know, police departments mm-hmm. run small towns. You think it's the mayor? You think it's the city council? It's like no, it's the sheriff's office. It's the police office. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I suppose the council can do some shit like budgeting. The mayor can like you know fix a road or two. But the money comes from the police department from seizures. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the laws enacted by the police department. The police get their way pretty much all the time in small towns. Like, oh, we don't want to deal with this. They, they come to the meetings, you know, uh, borrow, say, like, we'll borrow this money, get this stuff done, and it's just magically done. Because no, there's no politician that's going to say, we're not going to give the police this money to get these items that they're requesting. Because then the Fraternal Order Police Department raises a huge fucking issue, and you get a whole political backlash from it. So it's like, Police 
in this society put some sort of fear not in just like a general population but also into like your political class like you don't want to be the politician that's soft on crime you know you don't want to be the politician that is uh anti-police yep. because that's you're done if you are that there's just too much power in them and that it's just the runaway city police that caused this issue yep yep uh like uh Lee Kanar, thank you. Or Lay Kanar, thank you for the um, 100 bits. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the biddies. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And that happens in Lawrence too. Sometimes when um, the police wants their way, they they usually get it. So, it happens. Like like Bizarre crashed into his car, taking forever to get a fucking DUI charge. It's like shit. Mm-hmm. The F- and, and the FOP paid for his in- his entire like uh, uh, the trial. They paid for it. They paid for all his legal fees because he never was never fired from the police department. He quit, even though he got pulled over for DUI. What like a month after killing those guys, kill killing those uh, bikers, which is you know it's ridiculous, you know, you know, and like people are like people are losing trust in IMPD, but they lose an IMPD because that got. Bizarre guy that that murdered those two, those those people is still a cop. He's still a cop. He may be on leave and sitting in a jail cell after this DUI, but he is still considered a cop. That's the problem. All right. So the next thing we're going to do too is a story that was posted by Escalaja Plaz. Is an attack on Indian has happened in Indianapolis. Attack on Indian council member Jeff Miller captured on government access TV. So we get to watch a you know a cop, uh, not a cop, but uh, someone. Get, well, it's like sort of salty. You kind of see it, but you, you just watch it. Do you have any community engagement initiatives? Yes. All right, everybody sit down. We'll just have everybody please take a seat. Everybody, please take a seat. Have a kind of sick seat. He had his head up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to sit down. Sit down. You sit, yeah. Sit right here. You could hear his head. Make sure he's okay. Don't want to get attacked or <laughs> yeah, the owner of a Southside Strip Club is accused of attacking Indianapolis Council and Jeff Miller during a public meeting Monday. What? It's not just any strip club, it's Lenny's. Okay, Lenny's is like <laughs> the scummiest strip club on the south side of Indianapolis. <laughs> How dare you like, talk about his like, fine establishment? I, I went there once or twice, and like it always ended up with a knife fight in the parking lot. Let's just put it that way. Like, there's always some drunk dude pulling a knife, and you're just like, "Oh my fucking god, dude!" Lenny's, Lenny's, and it's just funny, right? Like, you get this guy like beating him up because you touched them kids. I'm gonna beat you up, but like, damn, Lenny, it's fuck. Like, there's there's so much rape in your parking lot anyway. You know what I mean? It's 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 one sex offender. It's a guy attacking a sex offender that condones sex offenses in the parking lot, so to speak. <laughs> Anyways, the owner of a Southside Gentleman's Club is accused of attacking <laughs> during a public meeting on Monday on an act of retaliation over Miller's 
and a years-long opposition to the bar's liquor license. Police say Jeffrey Moe, 51, grabbed Miller by the throat with both hands, picked him up, and slammed him his slammed his head against the wall. Moe later told police he cleaned a Miller's clock, and I'll do it again, according to court documents filed Tuesday. But Moe, who faces two felony and two misdemeanor charges, disputes how the attack was characterized by the police. Moe told the Lady Star he grabbed Miller's collar and, sh and shook him. I did not grab his neck. I shook him, Moe, Mo, whose own ladies and gentlemen club, told IndyStar. I was not intending to injure Mr. Miller. I was meaning to tell him to stop being a pompous politician. Which sounds more realistic than someone, like, grabbing someone by the throat with both hands and doing some sort of, you know, like, DBZ-style slam onto somebody. But the alleged attack occurred during an alcohol beverage board of Marion County meeting around 10.30 a.m., uh, after the alter altercation, Miller told police that uh, his breathing was restricted. His glasses were also broken. Investigators found scratch marks and redness around his neck. Uh, neither man attended Monday's meeting to discuss Moe's alcohol license. Instead, they were on opposite sides regarding a license for a liquor barn, which is down the street from Lenny's in the old Southside neighborhood. Moe said he wanted to support liquor barn because Miller was trying to steal the business liquor license just as he tried to steal the strip clubs. Th that dispute dates back several years. Documents show Moe bought Lenny's Gentleman Club on Morris Street in 2014 or early 2015, uh, early 2015. According to the appeals court documents, he applied for a renewal of the club's permit to serve alcohol. In March 2015 hearing, Miller was among a group of people to testify against the renewal. Surveillance video recorded from a residential property near Lenny's was used during that hearing. It showed someone pointing a gun into the air and firing shots at another person selling items to the truck. See? I told you. I told you. <laughs> but, 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 that's not his fault. He is, but they used that to remove his ability to serve liquor. You know? So it's not so the Mr. Chris said, well, the club's serving liquor and it's bringing the neighborhood down. But the, the, honestly, it's Morris Street, that side of Morris Street. It's not the best neighborhood in the, in the begin with, okay? So it's not like, you know, you know, this thing is a pristine suburb town that's got like, oh no, the stuff is happening in. But the other, um, but the other thing is like the, but they used activity that was happening outside, like, okay, this one guy shot a gun out into the air, okay? And the other one is like, it appears to be selling, selling something out of a trunk. How is that against the law? How is against the law selling anything out of a trunk? Is it against the law? If I opened my trunk and sold something out of it? You know, it's a weird food truck, but, you know, they don't prove or have anything. But using that to remove, but you can see why he's being a pompous book. Because you basically, for, some, for a business like that, not having the ability to serve alcohol, you basically have killed that business and basically can choose winners and losers just for the simple fact uh, that you can choose who can and cannot serve alcohol. Even though they're fine gentlemen established. Yep. Lenny's has also been hit with excessive violations, he said, and turned that business around, and, and, and he was trying to turn it around. He's been under attack by local government because of religious shakedown, he said, but now Mo is also pending assault case st stemming from Monday's incident. It, it's not a... I gotta turn this business shit. It's this guy's outside. <laughs> I can drive by it, right? I can just drive by it. And like at ten o'clock, it's like, yo, here's a hooker. There's a guy fucking sorting Xanax off his trunk. You know, it's it's where you go when there's nowhere else to go. You know, it's like, you know, what, what's up today? <laughs> but should that be the reason that he get his liquor permit taken away? Because he caters to these people. No, he should, he should keep his liquor license. It's just yeah. uh, 
you can't be, you know, denying these things either. You know, it's like, I mean, the, the counselor is kind of right. It's like, you know, you strip club is kind of shitty, but I wouldn't deny him a, a permit over it. I would just be pointing out that, you know, maybe you should let fucking people fuck the strippers in the park a lot and sort in Xanax and shoot guns and fucking knife fight. You know, just maybe put some security out there. Hmm. 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 You know, okay. That's, you know, so that's a reasonable thing. It's saying like, hey, you know, maybe you should, you know, get some security or something like that out there. But that's, you know, but it's also the, you know, the government, you know, imposing, you know, creating witness illusion from that type of document. I went to, you went to a bar. Um, I love that bar. Rest in peace, Hilltop North. Um, that uh, had some, you know, had no idea how this place passed health code. I have no idea how this place kept its liquor license because they was they would do crazy stuff like, you know, go down the street to the liquor store, just buy a bottle and bring it back because they ran out of stuff. It was weird. It was one of those awful like those dive bars where like nothing was really clean inside there. So you know, don't get the ice. But you know. I love that bar. You know, bad stuff happened, but it was our bar. So, yeah. So there, Escalaja applause. I read your story. Are you happy? I am very happy. And it comes with that bonus of a history lesson from Mr. Nice. Yeah, which I didn't know. Nice had a history with uh, this gentleman's club, this fine establishment on the south side. Uh, Here's the story, right? Me and my boy Tyler, oh, no. like Tyler, Tyler was drunk as shit. And he's like, okay, we're going to go to the strip club, right? And so we pick up Brett, and Brett's like, oh, yeah, let's fucking go, dude. I want to go. So Brett and Tyler, we stop over there on like 10th and Rural area, I think, mm-hmm. is where we stop. And we picked up this like old black dude. Like, I don't know who the fuck he was, but, like, he had a cane. Like, he's old. You know what I mean? There's something that's like, oh, he's just 40 old. And like, no, this motherfucker's, like, 70 years old. And, like, come on, Calvin, we're going to take you to the fucking strip club. I'm like, yo, just pick up a random-ass black dude and go. <laughs> so, it was like, no, nah, like, he, I, I was his neighbor. Like, I lived downstairs. And I'm like, that makes sense because, like, you're poor as shit. And this fucking neighborhood's really crappy. So, so he gets this guy in the car. So we go to Lenny's, and it's like B-rate night, right? So it's like not just, <laughs> there's like some 40-year-old lady with like cherries tattooed on her ass, and she kept talking about it. She's like, yeah, they call me cherries. And I'm like, yo, you're missing like three teeth and shit. You know, it's just <laughs> awful. It's just, it's a fucking Wednesday night. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. not even like a weekend. It's a Wednesday night where like maybe there's like five people in the club, including us, right? Mm-hmm. So halfway through like this drunken redneck comes through right and he's just being loud and my friend's on xanax so you know my friend tells him to shut the fuck up you know whatever so the club's closing down it's three o'clock and they go out into the parking lot drunk redneck in his truck was just like yo you fuck you you like motherfucker you know it's just whatever just talking shit Mm -hmm. uh Tyler's like, you know, do you want a piece of this shit? Starts lunging at him, right? This fucking redneck pulls out a fucking buck knife and is just like, yo, fuck you, dude. I'm about to cut you and shit. Uh, being high on Xanax, Tyler just keeps going at him. I'm like, yo, you're about to get stabbed, dude. You're about to get stabbed. Um, my friend Brett just eventually like, calmed him down, I guess. We got into the fucking car. But this dude's, like, sitting there in the other truck scraping the fucking knife. I'm like, yo, dude, we've not got no fucking knife fight. Like, I'm sober as a motherfucker. Like, I didn't drink at all. I'm like, 
like, what the fuck is happening in this parking lot that you're you're starting to fight with this random ass redneck? It's gonna stab you if you get any closer. Like not even like twice of it. Um, and you're, you're trying to pick up this forty year old stripper named Cherries. <laughs> it's just like it's like damn. I don't. I'm not gonna go back to this club next week. We went back again. <laughs> All right, thanks, thank, thanks, niece, for the rip roaring. Oh, thanks, like Noah, for the hundred more biddies. Love biddies. Come for the podcast. Stay for the stripper night fights. Yes, yes, all the stripper night fights. And JFR72, been there, bro. Um, I've only been to a strip club once. It was in Evansville, and um. I I enjoyed it because I wasn't spending my money. I watched a lot of money get exchanged hands, and it wasn't mine. So I had a fun time, but if it would have been my money going the other way, I would have had more fun with scotch and cigars doing that. Anyways, before we go, well, I've got all these tech people in now. Um, we actually had someone in the Discord, uh, Justin Taylor, they, uh, brought up a question, which I wanted to answer here on air, but no one controls the great white rhino, and he does what he wants. And, <laughs> and decided to answer the question in the Discord, but I still want to bring it up while we got everyone here in the chat well, to talk about it. It was it wasn't a completely detailed answer; it was just a basic answer. He went into uh, talking about data transmission, voice, firewall talking. Really, really think so? JFR seventy two. I, I once lived a lot in the deeper. Oh, <laughs> remember. Sorry, ladies, he's married. He but but he can always go deeper. Um three solid pages of text, not a detailed answer. That's not not for not for Ryan. <laughs> but anyway, 30 years experience in IT, I can go deeper. <laughs> he's getting yeah, right. Great. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway, so Justin Taylor asked in the Discord. So I'm sure there's uh, people here who are here that are since I've been in network tech, thinking about a career change and want some pros and cons of the job. Also, best way to get started. My community college offers an associate degree in both, but there seem to be some classes prepared for basic certs. But what other certs would you recommend? All right. So since we got all the technicians in here, me personally, um, over network administration and system administration, it all depends on do you want to deal with people or do you want to, um, because personally, I recommend not doing being a network technician because it's a thankless job. You will only be yelled at if the network goes down. Um, you will prepare to be going at 2 a.m. because the, um, you know, someone got inside the network closet and they moved a cable. Um, a rat chewed, it, uh, chewed an access point out and there's no Wi-Fi in the warehouse and they're doing a shipment out this afternoon and no, they can't, you know, get Wi-Fi. So you've got to come in for these four people that are there. Um, <laughs> I'm not bitter at, at network IT at all. Um, the thing is, is that it happens in system admin too, because I do system admin for a long time, and that was my life was two o'clock, three o'clock calls in the morning from operation staff trying to run nightly jobs, and this didn't work, that didn't work, blah blah. Yeah, but like when it comes to like network administration stuff like that, I think like only like big companies actually hold sys admin network technicians. Most smaller to medium sized companies mostly do. They outsource it to um, uh, sys. Uh, 
what is it like infrastructure of the service companies and you'd be working for one of those the other thing is you may be studying for becoming a sysadmin or a network technician unless you haven't cut your teeth for two years of help desk or doing something like that you're probably going to end up doing that afterwards too and you may just want to go for your a plus get your get a help desk position and if you haven't never seen a system has been workers network tech work nation work or be able to help one out like that i recommend doing that first because getting your a plus and getting in with a, a managed service company just as doing their help desk work you'll be able to do, do see that path and know what you really want to do with that um I am partial to network uh, network technology. I love networking because the methodology that you do for networking applies to just about almost anything that I do for troubleshooting. I love the the CCNA. It's a great uh, certification if you want to get into networking. Granted, it's very vendor specific into Cisco products, but um, just knowing, but every other vendor out there that does networking products try to make their stuff work work with Cisco stuff anyway. So you luck out there. Um, but with other certifications, it's also the, when you go into, when you, if you want to go the networking, once you get your basic CCNA and you get to the basic network certifications, then you start betting on what path you really want to go. Do you want to go like, do you want to be like this massive Wi-Fi guy? Do you want to be just designer engineer? Do you want to be like a networking security guy? You basically, and then you, uh, granted you can try to touch all of it, but you'll suck at all. Or you can concentrate on one, be an expert in this and just kind of like, pick up and touch those. That's, you, you, that's, you, can, hmm? you can always go big dick, okay? Go go big dick, okay. Just be like, I want to get into DevOps. Just big dick it. Like, just sit there, like, learn your programming, learn how to apply it to operations, sit there and throw out big, sexy words like, oh, yeah, man, we got a fucking Docker running. We're using Salt and Puppet and Chef. We got these REST APIs running, boy. These projects looking great. Scrum, you got the Agile. We're doing a sprint, boy. And boom, 100K career right there. Damn, it's a lot of buzzwords. For, for six months until you can't do the job. But then you just sit at the meeting and be like, it, it wasn't our fault. We just got delayed. We need to have another sprint. It's like, oh, thank God we have another sprint. No, um, so DevOps is probably where it's going to go. Um, learn some programming languages. It's the only thing I can say. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Reinhold's got some really like a good advice about learning programming languages. This helped me. Reinhold, you want to? Give you your advice that you gave me. The 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 programming that basically programming what you learn programming the language doesn't matter is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So basically, yeah, programming is just a, a an understanding of how to make data flow in a certain way, so and manipulate it, right? So learning if thens for nexts, you know, all the different the, theories of how programming exists. Once you understand that, then all you need to do for each language is to understand how the, their syntax requires you to get that specific thing done right so you learn programming then the, the language just doesn't matter um, but the, the person the person who asked questions said he didn't want to be a programmer right so yeah. that's part of the he, he, can't, he can't avoid it uh, like no no uh, he, he's not he's not he's not unwilling to do some programming he just doesn't want to sit and do code all day every day it, it, yeah but you're, you also can't avoid that either yeah because like even well, like I know, you do I know it. do code every day all day when you're getting to a point where, like, there's a lot of stuff in the cloud, uh, you're starting to get to a point where there's not a lot of on-premises stuff, where things are starting to run as, well, we're, we're going to sit there and say we're going to add uh, a BI system, we're going to add, like, these uh, CMR systems, we're going to add all, all this cool shit we're adding. 
that has to be programmed. You know, it's not just like plug and play where it's like, well, it's not run anymore. You're actually going to have to like delve into it and actually program some algorithms for it. You might even have to like make shell commands for it. Um, there's a lot of sysadmins that don't know PowerShell. Like straight don't know PowerShell. So, um, I'm a PowerShell now. <laughs> so what, what I'm saying is that, okay, so say, say he wants to go the Cisco route though. So he can do phones. Oh, he can do a uh, wireless. He can do. Don't do phones. Uh, don't do phones. That's not an option. Don't do phones. It's, it's not an option. <laughs> don't do it. You'll, you, you'll, 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 your, your 1911 will be in your mouth if you do phones. <laughs> I have friends of mine. We do phones at the company I work for. We actually built a, uh, an app for the Cisco that they have in their catalog now. I mean, it's a big deal. It can, uh, so, but there's some programming there too, right? So there's always some programming, but in the data side, there's really not as much. Mm-hmm. You still have to understand how they work, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I hate doing like voice over IP phone. It's fun. Don't me wrong. I have a lot of fun doing phones, but I, I don't recommend it. Um, he, um, Toe Boater asked, Reinhold, is Python good enough to learn? Me personally, I think Python, if you're not going to, if you're just going to learn, you just want a language to learn. I like Python because it's one, there's my Python jokes into it. Two, it's really good if you are into networking. Python helps you get things done in, um, in, um, Bash. So you can make a lot of cool, um, Python scripts to get things done. That's my personal take on it, Reinhold. They, he asked you the question. Right. But so Python's fine. It's just don't get locked into learning a specific language. Learn the programming side of it first. Make sure you're learning that as you're learning Python, right? So learn learn the programming techniques and, and ideas and, and theories behind it. That's going to save you because if you switch over and you need to do other language, you're not going to be lost in that regard. Correct. Right. And doing, um, yes, spam and eggs, yes, yes. And then doing, um, and also learning the best uh, programming best practices. That's also too. So if you have to program for someone or something to go back over your code, you've also followed those best practices. So commenting your code, creating read means and documentation and learn the heck out of GitHub. Now you also, your other question you've also asked on here too is, is a way to get your certs online? Heck yeah. You don't have to go to a traditional school to go get your certs. A lot of the CompTIA puts a lot of their information online. There's YouTube videos of stuff. People get things online. And if you don't want to do that, what I do to get my certs, I go to this, which is kind of like Netflix for IT certifications, ITPro.tv. It's really, really cool um, program. You can go there. You can, um, I have, I'm an early adopter of ITPro.tv. I was there in the early days on it. Uh, um, so I recommend it. It's really, really cool. You, you get on here, go through the course library, and they have almost anything you want to learn on here. That you can go through the course library and physics. So you want to learn security, like go through your security plus. Um, as you see, like um, I do, I I read the I go through the security plus thing all the time because it's always freaking updating. Then I've got the I did my ITIL certification. I just got that the last um, last month. Um, I pick I'm going over because I'm not that good at servers. I don't do much on servers, so I'm going over that right now. Um, this is where I did get what I was talking about when I was doing going over GitHub. Um, oh, to get the, uh, are you talking about getting the certs or like, uh, not, oh, getting the certs. Yes, yes, you can. Um, there's, um, I did my ITIL certification here at this very desk. Um, what is it? What's the freaking sites called? Um, I want to say like, not Prometheus. What is it? The, the testing. 
Prometric, sorry, yeah, Prometric, yeah. Prometric and CompTIA, they allow you to do your test there um, at your uh, at your desk. You have to have good lighting, which, you know, all you need is the bright light and a good webcam. They want to see, you'll have to use one screen. You just go to their testing site, and they'll tell you the requirements they have. You have to take your test there at your um, um, at your desk. And, yeah, you can take your test. You never have to leave your house. I've done several different certifications here at this desk. And I've always done mine on site, so a lot of different you know, Ivy Tech has uh, testing sites. There's a lot of testing sites around anywhere. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're all over the place. Just you can go find them if you want to. And they're, they're cool to do, too. Yeah. It's not a big deal. You can't um, do the Cisco test at your house. You have to do your CCNA. You have to actually go somewhere for your CCNA test. Right. And, and, uh, now, and certain tests also have labs, things that you have to touch and make you touch something, too. Cost right, of the especially the CCIE. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that two that's day test to fail. The um, cost of the test, some of the, uh, the brands of the tests. Um, I want to say the CCNA is up to what is it, four hundred dollars now? Maybe I haven't taken it in a long time. Uh, Microsoft tests are two fifty. Uh, you can always get discounts on those. You can get second chance uh, codes with those. So the second chance with the Microsoft is that you take the test. If you fail it, you can go take it again for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get one shot to do that. Um, yep. Yep. They give out vouchers all the time. There's so many resources to learn this information, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want to go to the Microsoft side, you can get a, a, a pre cheap to free option for uh, Azure. Mm-hmm. And you can use that to have a test bed environment that you can put servers up and play with, learn how Azure works, learn how uh, all the some of the automation stuff in there works, putting things together. For the Cisco side, the problem with Cisco is that a lot of the things you're going to want to do, you're going to have to do with some hardware. But the, getting the older hardware to play with is not that hard to do either. Yeah, you can uh, get on eBay. Small routers, they're pretty cheap. Um, you can get yeah, on – you go on eBay, you can type in the CCNA like lab course and people sell like lab kits kits for those too and if you look and if you really get a nice like reputable place that it does that they'll sell you a book the lab testing equipment too and a lot of them also have test vouchers in there too right and then you can get tests online too, a trial test for a lot of these different um tests that you could take where you can go through the process of taking the test so you get familiar with the kind of questions they're going to ask how those questions are formatted so you understand what they're looking for and how they're how they're doing their testing so that's always a good thing to do is get some practice tests under your belt as well. Yep. A lot of the places you buy practice exams for that will give you vouchers for testing too. So mm-hmm. uh, Microsoft again puts out tons of books that you can read. Uh, a lot of them you can get them for free if you know where to kind of look for them. Um, Cisco's kind of a little bit more blocking on some of the stuff that they do, but you can still get books and things like that that you can, you can buy and read. Um, there's so many resources to learn this information. Um, the basic thing though, is that until you know exactly where field you want to dive, so you can either be a generalist or you can be a uh, specialist, right? So for a lot of my career, I was a generalist generalist. I started, um, I had a long history getting back into IT from college to uh, the Navy where I learned nuclear physics to where I was doing fan clutch repair to do, I was doing data entry to where I was doing, I became a a network operator um, in a, in a mainframe shop. Right. So there's a long kind of path there. I ended up getting into IT, um, the network administration through Microsoft side of things and networking and that sort of thing. So 
until you really find out what you want to be, um, a generalist is probably a better way to go. That means you're not going to be super, super deep in any one technology. You're just going to learn like from one to level one to level five, you're going to be a level three area. Uh, then find out what you want to do and then go dig deep in it. And that's when you can become a higher paid consultant for that specific technology. But you want to try to make sure you pick one that's going to be uh, forward thinking, not, not something that's going to be shut down and not used anymore within a year or two. Right. So you want to try and get something that's more um, something that's going to be used in the future more often. Uh, Correct. That's yeah. where you get into the cloud-based stuff and, and things like that uh, on the networking side, Cisco side, firewalling, uh, putting together uh, single sign-ons and and certificates and I, um, what's the uh, CISSP if you want to go the network security route. Uh, those are really probably the higher paid certificates. The CCISSP is really a high hard one to get. The CCIE is another hard one to get. Those are very uh, – recomped by companies who utilize those people who have those certs. So that's like the later it's later time in your career. Uh, mm -hmm. But first just get your feet wet, get in there, take anything, yep. do anything. Mm -hmm. It's not going to hurt you to go work for a company for a year doing something completely. You might think is beneath you. That's how I started. I started as uh, I'd gotten a certificate and things for computer programming. Uh, somebody had a job for an operations person mm -hmm. and they were hesitant. To, I called them up. I said, why have you, you offered me the job? They said that the main reason they didn't is they thought that my knowledge level was too high. That they wouldn't be able to pay me enough. And I'm like, just, just what do you offer me? Let me take it. I'll get in there and I'll do something with it. Right. Mm -hmm. I learned a lot. You just suck up everything you can while you're there. Oh, get yeah. the experience under your belt. And eventually you can get the CCAR if you got $15,000. <laughs> that, that, that is the pen ultimate. Like if you're one of these people that like to get certificates, right. Then say like, Oh, I want to be certified in this. The CCAR stuff from Oracle is like you're the pinnacle. You're the king of IT at that point. There's only 10 people in the world that have a CCAR. <laughs> it's like 10 people. You can be number 11, and you can sit there on your the guild of throne of IT and just be like, I have a CCAR. I know people who had, uh, I know people had CISSPs, uh, and their job was to basically roll off the couch in the morning, fire up a bunch of scripts to do intrusion detection for the company that hired him for the day. While those scripts were going off, he played Xbox. Once the scripts were done, he'd analyze the scripts, rated a report, and turned it in. That was his job. Beautiful. But going on like Reynolds said, man, it's a uh, – depends what you want to do. Um, where you work, too. Where you work really depends on what you're doing. Uh like if you're like at a small company or like something that's like less than maybe like 500 people, you're probably going to be a generalist and you're going to be doing a lot of everything. Yeah, you're going to be doing the printer one day. You're going to be doing the network the next day. You're going to be doing a database the rest of the week. Yeah, um, all three the same day. Yeah, like if you're in a larger company, you're probably going to be stratified. You're probably going to be setting a team and mm -hmm. you're going to interact with other team members. Like, oh, well, you're in the network team. You know, here's the security team you're going to be working with and there's the uh, systems team. So just depending on where you work, it's going to depend on like what you learn and how you learn it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're in a small company, you're just going to be doing everything nonstop. You might even be the only person there. <laughs> you know, so it's yeah. like you get to learn a lot really quick. Mm -hmm. um, you'll be doing a lot of like Stack Overflow and uh, a whole bunch of Google searching at that point. But yep. 
And that's the uh, other thing when, um, when going, like, if you're in an IT interview and they ask you, like, they legit ask you a question that you don't know, instead of making up an answer, it's like, I don't know, you just, like, you know, actually, like, that's one of the key questions. Like, you could score an easy an IT job just because of, like, I will ask for help or I will Google search it. A lot of people would expect that when they interview that a uh, young technician that's fresh to the, that's, that's their first response instead of like, no, I'm going to gun home and just make it up as I go along. But no, you know, asking a question, Google searches, going, finding a senior technician and asking for help. They like hearing that for young, uh, for newer technicians. Well, and the, and the, and the fact that you know where to go for help, right? So yeah, like, that too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like in the Microsoft side, I, I wouldn't know that, but I would go to the knowledge support, the knowledge base uh, of, of Microsoft. And I would do some searching here. I would look up the code, the event code that I see in the log, mm-hmm. uh, to see if the event code is associated to anything that's happening in mine. So I can see, you know, that sort of thing. You would, you would start explaining your troubleshooting process. And that's really what the, it's harder. It's easy to, to teach people. Uh, how to implement something. It's easy to teach people how to uh, do basic things, but troubleshooting is, is something that is coveted because not too many people um, can be taught that very well. It's something you kind of have to know and learn uh, on the fly on how you would logically go step through something to find an answer to a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, being able to demonstrate that, you know, troubleshooting very well is something that would be a big key. So again, it's really uh, dependent upon what area you want to get into. And most likely you don't know that yet. Yeah. Right? So unless you know for sure, Hey, I want to go in and do certificates and get a CDSSP and be this, or I want to go work on a Microsoft uh, ADFS system or, mm-hmm. or active directory or something like that. Unless you know that right now, get in and be a generalist, learn everything you can about how these systems work, how they interoperate with each other, learn a little bit about everything and make yourself valuable. That's the biggest key. You make yourself valuable wherever you are and Dude. whatever you're doing. And then you hold, the, you hold the key to everything. You, you are in control at that point because people will want to keep you around. Uh, and even if it's, if it's say, okay, we're going to phase out the system that you've been working on, they'll say, Hey, you have shown that, you know, uh, that you're able to dig deep, learn, go above what you're required to do for your job. We want you to learn this other system and do it. We want you to to move over and transition over. They won't just get rid of you. You're yep. too valuable to the company. Yep. 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 Oh, it was all great. But um, just like myself, I only got into security, I would think I was like five years in to doing like networkings and IT that I even like to me it's like security is like, ah, I don't care. I'm not doing that. I'm going to design the network. I'm going to you know, say what to buy. I'm going to write these technical like procedure papers and do the day-to-day operations. And, you know, no, security is someone else's problem. Security is that weird guy that's paranoid in the corner. He can do security. I fell into security. Like that's why I started getting into security. Just more of, I got to help. And I was like, wow, this is really interesting. I really like this, you know, but you know, even at the end of the day, like, um, I, I mostly get used for IT jobs for like technical writing, writing procedures, writing policies and doing day-to-day operational stuff because of all my operational background. It's what pays my bills. Um, it's not what I really like the best, but yeah, okay, whatever, you know, pays the bills. Yeah. I get a lot of like, I need you to help me build my website. Do you know PHP? <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah, I do boy. <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing. You get a lot of that too, and like, and even with um, like being a networking, you still got to know like uh, some things about servers and just virtual machines and how to connect them. 
just because just have familiarity with that. So you basically come familiar with everything. Um, the uh, let's see, but yeah, uh, if you're yeah, if you're good at physical repair, see that's a lot. Uh, that's also good to have. Just that helps get your foot in the door just in one of the basic shop because most. IT shops that will still have to have things physically repaired or touched or because they may have a vendor agreement where they have like, you know, for like a PC, like, yes, we will help you fix, you know, these PCs here, but, you know, we contract and they send it out where, you know, you basically punch in your clock on that service ticket where, okay, the RAM is bad, but this thing's in a warranty. They want you to have an A-plus certification so you can work with this vendor and you switch out the RAM there and all that is done and build out through this other company. It's very weird, but that does happen. And that's why a lot of places were like, because they have a vendor agreement with someone else, they were like, hey, if you're touching hardware, you have to have your A-plus. Right. Well, and the other thing too is, is physical repair where you want to go because they're, they're, you get to a, a certain ceiling with that, right? So yes, there's not really far you can go with that. Whereas opposed to if you're doing more systems administration or, or something like that, you can, um, you can, can, you can take, you can either stay in working for a specific company in a, in a staff team environment, mm-hmm. or you can move over and be a consultant, right? So consultancy is more of the learn really, really deep in an area. And then you go out and do that every day at different companies and projects and things like that. Uh, there's, there's a higher ceiling for pay on that as well. But some people don't find that rewarding as much as they do building something and maintaining something on their own that they're going to keep, you know, keep running. And then, you know, it, it really depends on your, your, um, thought processes and mindsets and that sort of thing. When you're doing consulting, you're doing a lot more interaction with higher level people like C- CIOs, uh, senior project managers, that sort of thing. And some people just don't want to have that, have to go down that road in that relationship with those, those people that get kind of intimidated by it. So it really depends on you as an individual, what you really kind of want to get out of your career. Uh, Toby said, "Like I work on boats, not computers, just to be clear. Yeah, we get that, but we're we're just mostly uh, answering like um, answering the questions, and like Justin's not really in the chat asking questions for the questions that he asked in the Discord. So it's kind of like, are uh, you know, you're answering, you're asking great questions that we think Justin would ask for. So you're you're." you're we're basically using you as a stand-in, and you're doing a great job like there. And we're kind of glad that, you know, you do work on boats from the last flooding that you've had. I wish one time we could probably get you on to ask how, like, the the waters were down there. Uh, the, 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 you know, talk about the flooding. Do you want to come on a low-key wall and talk about it? I, you know, personally, I'd like to have you on to talk about that. Um, but, yeah, that's so, the other- you thought You thought I had answered the question, and I don't, I think you can understand right now there's still so much more we could talk about on this topic on, on the different types of areas within IT that you could go after, the type of mindset that you might need to do specific types of jobs within IT, the types of certs that are important for each one of those, and whether or not a degree is important. I think a degree is important for moving into management much more than it is than getting into a company. Yep. Um, it's helpful. I mean, if you go for a job and you have all the certs and another guy has a degree, but no certs, mm-hmm. you're probably going to be more looked upon fairly because you have demonstrated, you know, the specific technology. But right. if you have the certs and no degree and you're going against somebody who has the certs and a degree, mm-hmm. you're going to be behind the eight ball there. So yeah. having both helps uh, showing that you can accomplish those things is, is something that a, a, a employer will look for. Also, the things that they look for is being able to communicate well being able to have conversations with uh, an interviewer and not 
you know, appear like you're, you're too nervous or you're too intimidated, that sort of thing. Go in confident, go in to say, Hey, this is me. This is, I'm not, go in like you don't need the job because they will smell that. Right. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, all, all very good points for any, basically about Sujit, but where what Ryan was talking about uh, in management is like that wall. I hit that wall a whole lot because most of my things have been like operational and IT management. So I hit that wall, even though like I'm a, mostly a network technician, but I worked on like budgets and stuff like that. So I hit that wall. So that's why I'm going for my bachelor's degree to go with my um, computer certification and experience because I hit a wall. I feel and, like and, it, and a lot of people are going to want a master's at some point uh, for yeah. a certain time. So, so you, in order to get like Stop it. Uh, consistent, <laughs> so you, so you with a bachelor's, you can get into management. I mean, I got into management without a bachelor's degree. It oh, I know. I, 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 I have in the right position. Right. No, no. I, I, you're in the right position. You can find those. Right. Yeah. But if you have, you have a master's in it, you have a master's in business <laughs> that opens up so many more doors in the management area. Uh, that you could possibly have without it. It's just, a, it's a door opener is what it is. Yeah. All right. Now, a lot of people say, or, or, um, comparable knowledge, you know, three years for every year or this, or that. you know, they do these little math things for me. I've been doing it for what, 30 years. So I blow those away. I could get in there if I needed to, but I would feel more comfortable having that degree just because I can just have it there. It's not a question. It's, it, puts me on a higher footing than anybody else who has one, but doesn't have the experience I have, you know, it just, it makes it a no brainer if I want to take that position. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I feel like I, yeah, I need a country because I, from going and looking for a job this last time I've been, I've, I keep going every time I've gone to an interview and there's been multiple people there. Uh, I'm going against people who have like college degrees and stuff like that. And they, some of them, and they're, a lot of people I go against are Ryan Hull's age, so they kick my butt in experience. A lot of them have their college degrees and computer certification, so I keep getting my butt kicked by um, the Ryan Holds of the world, and it gets annoying, you know. Freaking <laughs> Gen thing, X IT okay, so, guys. So no, you don't. You don't need a college degree. It is helpful. Yeah, it's helpful. You know yeah, yeah, you're right. It, it, I don't it's, need you one, need one if you wanted to get in management, right? So it's yeah. like, so just getting into <laughs> IT, just becoming so. The company I work for, we actually have an apprentice program. So somebody who has gone through a bunch of things, has some certifications, done some things, uh, can get, get put into that uh, apprentice program. But what they're looking more at that point is is somebody they can mold. So somebody has a lot of um, a lot of the skills that the soft skills that a lot of people don't necessarily have. So somebody somebody that they can say, okay, we can dump information on you, we can teach you some things, and then you can go be a rock star engineer uh, consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, not a lot of companies have that type of program. So they're looking for somebody who uh, at least can, can come in and show that they can learn and, and do, do some work there. So uh, I, my brother got into it by doing help desk support originally. Right. And then he made himself valuable. They promoted him. They promoted him again. Then he moved on to another company with a better job. That sort of thing. That's how you kind of go through the process. You can't expect to come in sometimes, you know, really just come in and have the perfect job right off the top of the bat. With without having a whole bunch of stuff stacked in your favor, um, but any company will look kindly on somebody who is going above their job description, doing more than they're needed to do, making themselves valuable. That's always the key for any company. The only time I think you would 
ever really need a degree for IT is if you work in education because they make that shit a requirement. Like it's that's the most painful thing. If you, if you want to work in a hospital or uh, say a college, right? You mm-hmm. want to be IT at a college or a hospital, like it's required that you have a degree. Like yep. they will call your university, they will double check to make sure you have it. Um, <laughs> and it's those are really the, the only two industries that I've ever had someone that really wanted to know if I had a degree or not. Every job I had in IT never really looked for it. It's not like, oh, well, you know what you're doing, so you're good to go. But when I started applying to, like, hospitals and uh, schools, like, they required that. So it just depends on the industry you work for as well. Um, some places make it a requirement. Some places don't. And what's funny is I just canceled my IT Pro TV <laughs> subscription uh, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. Did canceled. you? You canceled yeah, it? Yeah, I got the uh, the the Twit, you know, discount thing, and I was using it. I was just like, I hate to get rid of it because I lose that discount. Did you get? Did but you have I the really cool one? Because a lot of the cert, lot, well, a lot of the certificates I wanted mm-hmm. that are, are new breaking certificates, they don't have courses for. Mm-hmm. They have courses for the basic, the AT, and stuff like that. But some of the Microsoft Azure courses and things like that, they really yeah. didn't have very good courses, or uh, they were slow in getting them up. I thought. Uh, but that's just because I'm much more leading edge knowledge stuff because I'm already in the industry doing that uh, high level consulting thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody who's just starting, I, I could see a big value for because a lot of the courses they do have are for those CompTIA, A plus, basic mm-hmm. Microsoft certs, those sort of things that will get you in the door and get you the job you want. And from there, then you get to a company who will pay those things for you. Yeah. Right. Who will pay you to send you to a class? Who will pay you to send you to, uh, or give you the resources for those things? I have uh, weekly conversations just within my my job where I'm actually talking to Microsoft people, right, about the technologies. I I, I have communications. I've gone out and helped write some of the certifications uh, with Microsoft in the past. So, uh, you know, you get into the right people, you get into those programs, that sort of thing. So, it just seemed like it wasn't. It, it wasn't far enough ahead for what I needed, right? So, but for for somebody just starting out, it's a, it's a huge benefit uh, in that regard. All right, uh, real quick. Um, yeah, um, I don't know if Reinhold, like, uh, I'm not giving rid of the discount that I've got because I I was I got one of the Twit discount codes, but I got the 50% off discount code, code yeah. and I had the 50% discount code on year one of IT Pro. Yeah, that's the same one I had. Yeah. Oh, so oh, so you're down. Yeah, see, I'm that that low, and I'm like, I'm not giving that up because I've always seen. I I, I fought it. I fought it for years, but I just I just looked at it and I mm-hmm. wasn't using it, and that was my problem. I was just basically giving the money that I was not using, utilizing, and that was my own fault. Probably, uh, I just didn't have. I just don't have the time. You know, I, with, I, with the things I need to be doing, I I don't have the time to go and look at the other stuff that they had. So unfortunately, I, that was just the reality. of I watch it all the time. I like it, but that's me. That's me personally. Um, I also feel like because since I'm also going, since I'm in school right now, I'm at a going Western Governance University. I give, they give me a subscription to lynda.com. So I get like a combination of the both doing that. But it's also like, but whoever you pay to learn and learn any certification, it, there is no silver bullet. You have to find the thing that one that works for you because if you demi works for you, do it. If YouTube videos and Get talking to you know crazy Russians online helps you get your cert. Hey, freaking do that, you know. Or if just going to half price books, buying a book and uh, doing some Adderall over the weekend, get your cert. Well, hey, I do that too. 
for certs, for, there used to be the red books for certs, right? So there used to be, um, I can't remember the name of the books, but they were, they were real red books and they were made for each cert. Those books were awesome. They yes. helped you study for an exam and you pass that exam with those books. They don't make them anymore. Unfortunately, you got no, not. out and deleted. No. And it's so frustrating because those were awesome. Yeah. The, yeah. Now, and the technology, if you ever get to a part where you get a piece of technology that you've never touched before, you don't understand getting like the regular certification book and the O'Reilly for dummies book for it, because I always recommend getting the for dummies books. If you have never touched a piece of software before, like when I, you know, the for dummies are always best for that to me. They're, 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 they won't help you get the certification, but they will give you a good jump point to go read the certification book because a lot of times the certification book makes a huge leap and think you have touched this and know about this sometimes. Uh, for Taylor, the ask. Hmm? I'll say colleges are tough because. The like, so I was going to IUPUI and I was trying to get placed out of some of the exams I was taking because I like, do I need to take basic Microsoft Office training when I'm implementing client server technology? So I went and talked <laughs> to, the, to the dean, yeah, and he's having a conversation to me about client server. I'm like, well, this is how we're doing client server. Here's a Citrix farm that we have set up, which was Citrix uh, 1.8, which was back before it was an NT4 based, it was still 351 based. NT351, so this is dating myself, obviously. Um, Citrix was back And then? he looked at me, he looked at me with glass, glass eyes. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't understand the, what I was saying. And he, cause he has been in academia so long, he didn't mm-hmm. understand how the technology was going right now. Mm-hmm. So he wouldn't, he was like, well, I can't, I can't ver- validate this stuff. It's cause it was his limitation, right? So you're saying yeah. you're going to WGU and I've been wanting to go to WGU for several years now. Yeah. And I've talked to him a couple of times and my only thing was like, you have to apply in order for us to tell you what will give you credits for and all sort of stuff. So I've got so many credits because the nuclear power program usually gives a whole bunch of credits. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and WGA is giving credits for Microsoft certs that you have. Well, I have like 25 or so of those. Uh, plus I've got other colleges and stuff that I can transfer in. You know, I used to go to University of Phoenix, IEPY, that sort of thing. So I'm trying to consolidate all that into one place. I think that I could probably get the degree in about six months there, one semester or whatever. So it's just paying that three grand up front. is just a little bit expensive. So I'm right. working with my company who does tuition reimbursement and they're, going to try and work with me on getting the tw- that WGU involved in that program because the way that it works with tuition reimbursement mm-hmm. is that you you take the class, you show them that you have passed the class, then they give you the money back for the exam, right? So yep. I'm trying to say, okay, can you put up some of the money ahead of time? <laughs> you know, that, how yep. do I get credit for it? You know, what do you consider passing for that 3000 that sort of thing? So it's the okay. whole conversation we have to have. All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, so... Uh, a couple things. The Python, the automate the boring stuff, Python programming. That's my favorite book. I love that freaking book. It's a freaking awesome book. Um, the other thing with it with WGU, what I like about it is that if you already have a certification for it, they give you the credit hours for it. So you automatically, and when it comes up to it, like, um, when, uh, my first, uh, uh, month in the course, they were like, okay, here, take the intro to the IT course. And there's like, just take the final test. Most people, like, if they've done IT work, can pass intro, like, just to take it a test. I did it, pass the test. Next course was basically just like, this thing is basically the A plus certification. So go take the A plus certification test, you get here, and boom, you know, boom, you, you've already passed that course. They, so you just, you can, they're basically just courses on computer certification. So if you feel like you know this course already, they'll just give you the test immediately to test out of it. Right. It okay. still pops up in front of you, right? Like, hey, you have to take this test. All right. 
just take the test. So if you know it, you just take the test. And if you already come with that certification, you automatically get the credit for it. So like if you already like so depending on so if you already go in there with your CCNA, which they might depending on how old your CCNA has been expired. Hey. 2003 maybe is the oh they're not going to accept that they didn't, they, <laughs> they didn't accept mine from back then either so they're not going to accept yours so screw <laughs> but uh but no but I but I have all the Microsoft stuff on I on TCP before right and then, about and the cool thing with going through WGU is that you pay your credit hours through there and they basically pay for uh, all your certifications you don't pay for the certification you just go take your freaking cert test which is cool. The other thing is, since it's an accredited school, you can also get stu- uh, you can do the flo- uh, the what a lot of people would do when they talk about is a student loan float. Is that since it's an accredited school, you can just file for the student loan program through it. That's right. Mm. You can get a student right. loan, float you through the semester, pass your courses, and just take that cash and just pay, pay off that loan. Um. Yeah. And, I mean, and then you have a long history with student loans. So oh, <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. If you want and, to, you can. Uh, you can check out Live Coding TV. Uh, if you want like a learning experience, what what these people do on live is it's basically Twitch for IT. Uh, people will stream themselves like like solving problems or creating something. And you can actually just sit there with these people and like go over and troubleshoot the problem with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, oh, why is my fucking function working? It's like, well, why don't you try adding this, try adding that? So you can sit there in real time with people trying to solve something, fix an issue with them. Um, it's an interesting thing if you like to do that. You can go to the Unity 3D channel, watch them create assets. You can kind of create assets with them in Unity 3D. So that's a great way to learn uh if you don't want to just like watch like you know just basic YouTube videos or read guides, you can do stuff in real time, like a learning lab like that. Um, Tobotters, yes, I I will take every bit of money from the United States government because I've been working since I, they've been taking money from me since I was fourteen years old, and I'll never get my social security cash that I put into the system. So I will those fucking them. boomers. Yeah, and if it wasn't for these damn boomers, we'd be retiring at age 50 to 55 right now, but the boomers screwed up Social Security. Yeah, I said it. They screwed it up. How do you screw up a Ponzi scheme? They did. Anyways, um... <laughs> what's that? You mean oh, what's... you were actually depending upon Social Security? Oh, I God, no. Ever, God, ever, no. ever do that. God, no. I'd rather depend on Doge going hitting a dollar. Um, what's that uh, link to, from that place you said is live dot what? What is it, Nice? It's, uh... Or do you got a link? It's just uh, liveedu.tv. Liveedu.tv. Uh, oh, improve your job skills by practicing and learning. With oh, okay, okay. I hang out. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of places too. I mean, there's like a, a University of New York. Yes, uh, <laughs> SUNY, I think it is, or some other places like that. Uh, MIT lets you take classes online. Just yes. for free, you know yeah. that sort of thing. So Stanford does it. I mean, there's a lot of colleges who do that, where you can just what what they call audit a class. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's there's another place I can't remember what I think it might be Udemy, but it might be someplace else where you can take all kinds of different classes. I set for free. I signed up for one that was a a nuclear power uh, exam just because I wanted to see if there's any new things yeah. since I got into the Navy, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it just went through that. It was like, oh, yeah, so, yeah, nothing really new. Okay, I got it. 
Yeah, edx.org. They do the MIT degree, uh, stuff like that, Harvard, Berkeley, stuff like that. It's really cool. It was actually the place where I first, uh, when edx, I did, like, I did a Linux course through there that helped me go there. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, government does yeah, screw up scams. Yeah, Compu- uh, governments do screw up scams. Uh, that's why I'm going back to college. Um, TN does free as degree for adults who don't do, um, already have a degree, so whatever, Subi. Yeah, yeah, screw it, you know, screw it, you know. Take, uh, take, er- take everything that's not bolted down, raise the pirate flag, and take what you want, okay? Um, uh, but yeah, um, I like WGU Simple Factory because it's all about based on the timeline I want to go through. At fa- I moved through the course as fast as I did. I did 22 credit hours in six months. Um, I'm on my other one right now. I've got to do this month. Um, it's which it sucks for me because I've got to do a super certification on websites, website programming, which I don't do HTML. I don't do HTML5. I don't know it. I'm sorry. Sue me. Okay. I don't do websites. Leave me alone. So yeah. it's difficult HTML for me. HTML for mall, didn't my website for my dog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my weird alley. I know. Uh, but uh, yes. Yeah. And what I love in that that song is he talks about Pascal, and I'm like, yes, Pascal. Pascal. I, if I, we had chose Pascal instead of C as programming languages for for uh, for applications, we wouldn't have had the viruses we had today. So, so you can join that uh, educational stream right there, and you can learn how to create a cryptocurrency trading bot, and go with him and learn how to code it in Node.js. Great. Yeah. No, it's great stuff too. Because I mean, you know, that's you know, and there's a lot more things that are open nowadays, and a lot of ways to get. If you wanted to get into programming, I know somebody said that they, did, you know, Taylor said they didn't want to get into programming, but I mean, nowadays you can write the write your program and put it out there. You don't have to go through a company. Do it yourself. Be your own boss. Right. Make your own job. And that's always the best way if you can do it. If you can put the work in that you need to put in. Um, and you can do all the things you need to do to make that happen. Um, if, if I had the choice back, you know, from 30 years ago to what I, you know, if we had the, the internet and the ability to do that sort of stuff, then that we do now, I swear, I, I'm so jealous of you guys just because of that, that you have those opportunities that I never had when I was growing up. Well, do you want to create this uh, cryptocurrency bot with me, right? Hold, we can, we can create bots. For days we can we can create bots and just you know siphon remember the old uh, the old siphon the penny from the transaction thing <laughs> they utilized it in office space but it was an, it's an old joke from a long time ago right so just do something like that where it just siphons, siphons little bits of small, small amounts of money everywhere I think the uh, real benefit of cryptocurrency is doing like the pump and dumps yeah. What, yeah. the, what this guy's doing is having it auto do it for him. Basically, it's just going to crawl yeah. the So he doesn't have to sit yeah. and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like those trading programs, the, the day trading programs that watch the stock market and automatically sell at certain points and, and buy at certain points and just keep track of the funding. That. So it can all be done automatic. And that's that's part of the problem with the, the market now that a lot of people are complaining about is that there's so many bots doing that, mm-hmm. that when the market moves too much, all of those kick off and it looks like a whole, a whole flood of stuff's happening and that and, and the investors see that and think all oh, the, the market's getting scared. It's like, no, the market is just reacting bot wise to a certain number point and then they, everybody freak gets out and that's why you get big swings nowadays. 
I did not expect this come this the topic to go on. I don't want it to stop. I'm just like, shocked because now we're almost at two and a half. Hours. I told you. You're telling me I answered the question. I'm like, no, I just scratched the surface. We can go deep. <laughs> but anyways, Taylor asks us like if we could go back on the certification pattern. It's not like um, I brought up the IT Pro TV coaching services, the career path things, and almost what you want to do. So if you want to get into like entry level IT, network security, but like entry level IT, just the entry level IT work, they always recommend like the recommended certifications is you know the CompTIA plus the uh, depending on where you want to go is the like uh, doing like you know uh, the MTA Windows operating system is basically uh, uh, Microsoft's versions of of not Microsoft's A plus but mostly like you know the Windows operating system you know this is what you know or you know um, yeah. Microsoft servers stuff like that um the uh, those are the entry level Microsoft classes right so it's just yeah. the basics okay here's what a server looks like and how it works and some of the yeah. basics behind it here's how the cloud works and the basics behind it then you get into the the MCSE levels and things like that the more specific uh, harder to get but more detailed type of things where you have to really have experience with a lot of different technologies in order to get those. Yep. Um, um, then it's got this one. If you're going to do server administration, they said like, I recommend doing like the novice ones, the comp TNA, the, uh, MTO operating system, doing knowing office 365, doing the N plus anyways, the Linux plus, um, they go. And then once doing the MCSAs and then moving on the MSC servers, depending on what you want to do, SharePoint exchange, and then you know, and, and those are and the irritating thing about that too, right there, is that that's a general path. You mm-hmm. don't have to do every single one that's on there, right. and there's a lot that's missing from there as well. So, like doing SharePoint today is probably not where I would recommend going, or even Exchange, because everything is going to Office 65, everything is going to the yes. cloud. You want to get into cloud stuff. You want to work like Linux in the cloud, Microsoft mm-hmm. in the cloud, uh, Azure technologies, all the different. Azure is changing. So Microsoft used to, if you want to go down into Microsoft world, Microsoft used to do upgrades to their their uh, server systems every three years, and like Exchange would get an update every three years. Windows Server again up to every three years. All new technology is going to do every three years. And that was just so businesses could say have a, a planned upgrade path, right? So they might throw a few extra features in in between that period of time, but it was never a version level upgrade, right? Now with, with, with what they're doing with um, Azure, they're adding and changing Azure almost on a monthly six, three monthly, six, six month basis, right? Stuff that you learned six months ago in Azure may be completely out of date by now. You have to keep on top of it, but that's where the industry is going. Uh, people don't want to have data centers anymore. They don't want to have to deal with all that stuff anymore. They, the cloud stuff is, is cost effective in that regard. If you're not paying for electricity for the data center, you're not for the the heating and cooling, the, the data security, the physical security, all that stuff is no longer an, an issue. So it becomes more financially uh, affordable to do this. It makes more sense. So a lot of people are going down that path. So if you want to, if you're getting into technology now, focus on cloud. Yep. Yep. I, yeah, I've loved going through all the Zen Center stuff, um, Docker, you know, it's, yeah, virtual. Yeah, that's for virtualization. Um, I'm doing the cloud security expert uh, certification this year too, which should be fun. Um, but yeah, that's where everything has has been going. Um, but the other thing, uh, just like what he said, uh, 
because like my major thing, like I love doing, especially as a networking guy or just being an IT person, especially because most places I go, the IT shops are usually small. And if they have a server on site, that thing's getting transferred to the cloud. Everything's getting virtualized going up there or, you know, and it's just, just how things are. No, it's going to take a while. I mean, I'm still working with a lot of different companies who are still staying away from the cloud, but they know that they're going to in the next three to five years be there. So it's it's not something where, okay, if you learn Exchange or SharePoint or something, you couldn't get a position right now, but you have to be ready to transform your, yourself quickly. Yep. It's going, not going to take that long. Um, and as yep. more people move into that area, you're going to find more openings in those technologies, the, the more on-prem technologies. Uh, because everybody's staying away from them. So if you wanted to just get your foot in the door, maybe learning that technology, getting in, get your foot in the door, and then using it as a jumping pad to move up into that te- other technology is a way to go. It, it really just kind of depends on what opportunities are out there that you can find in your area, uh, what kind of companies you want to work for. Always look for a company to, if you can, because uh, I know it's it's hard when you're just trying to start out and you're trying to get your foot in the door and get anything, but try to find a company that is going to be a good company to work for, not just a, a, a slave shop, uh, somebody that's not going to care about you or your needs or anything else. Um, that's always important, too, for your own mental state of health. You don't want to get burned out. 12-hour days. You're on call. <laughs> it's important. I mean, uh, I so the company I work for is very good. When my wife came down with her situation where she uh, found out she had cancer, they were just like, "Go take care of her," right? So I so I was working for a company, and a little just a little story because why not? Um, I was working for a company that was just dry. I was I'd become a manager there, but mm-hmm. they were just sucking the life out of me. I was working way more than forty hours a week. I was getting calls at two in the morning. Uh, even though we had on-call rotation, I was still the one to get called in because I knew every system there, uh, and I could always they could always come to me and get the answer. So I was just burning out, burning out pretty hard. Um, I went to work for this other company as a consultant. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there for about three or four weeks, and my wife ended up having a fallopian tube burst in the middle of the night, rushed to the hospital, emergency surgery, uh, sort of thing. So she's in the hospital. I call up my work and I say, Hey, I'm not gonna be able to come into work today. Uh, this sort of thing. He's told me what was going on. Uh, about 20, 30 minutes later, I get a call back from my company asking me, well, where is she at? You know, what, what hospital is she in? And my immediate response was from working for the other company was they were going to call and check to make sure I wasn't just bullshitting. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that was really in the situation. Yeah. What happened was, Two hours later, flowers arrived mm. from the company. Mm. So, mm. and they're right. They're, they they are. Um, uh, they're companies that don't do that. Right. That means something. So when she came down with the cancer, they were just like, you go do what you want to do. We won't make you travel anymore. You can stay home, take care of those things. We'll give you, you know, don't worry about your hours for a while. Just do what you need to do. Take care of her and get her healthy and safe and everything else. They've been wonderful. And it's been, I've been dealing with her for, and her situation now for over five years. And they're still just bending over backwards to try and help me in any way I can to keep me in the company and to make sure that I am sane in all of it. Well, someone like you, right? It's also good to train like the younger teachers. Like, so if you got like, like a Justin Taylor started working there, you'd be great to, you know, he'd be great to. Train I do, I do, 
I've done a lot of mentoring for new guys coming in too, because they come in and they don't have the soft skills, right? And they come in and like, well, how do, what do I do in this situation? I'm like, well, here's, you need to talk to, here's how you handle it. Here's how you talk to these people. When I first started at the company, it was really funny because they were, they were hesitant to hire me because I hadn't been consultant before. So, and they had just hired this other guy who was like, oh, he's got a lot of energy. He's got, you know, this and that. They were just all high on this guy. Right. Mm -hmm. And me, I was so burnt out. It was just hard for me to get up that much. And they were just like, well, we don't know. And I had another person who had worked with me before who was working there and he pushed and pushed and got me into the company. Uh, I met the guy at a mixer uh, probably a month in where all the new guys got together because uh, we had to go through a special training and everything. Right. And I'm, I'm talking to him and he's, he was talking to me and another person and he was just like, Oh yeah. And if you ever get in a situation where you don't know the answer, you just lie, you lie your teeth off as much as you can and, and bluff your way through it. And that's what you do in front of the, uh, a client. And I'm like, though, no, that's bullshit. <laughs> you don't do that. That's no, the quickest way to lose their trust. Right. Yeah. Um, so this guy who was the rock star everybody was loving within six months had been fired because he screwed up a customer's environment because he kept lying to them about the situation. And I had saved two, uh, two jobs because uh, I came in and said, Hey, here's the situation. We're just going to take care of it. We'll worry about the fault later. Let's just solve the issue. And mm -hmm. customers love that. They love, you know, I, I had a great experience where uh, a project manager was talking to the customer and we had really bad news to give him. Mm -hmm. And he didn't wait till the end of the meeting to get it out there. He didn't try and, you know, sneak it in or anything like that. He said, first thing we'll talk about is here's the problem. This is a, a, a horrible issue. Uh, it's partially our fault, partially your fault fault, whatever. Let's not worry about that. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. Mm -hmm. And the customer was very thankful that we didn't try to keep it from him, that we told him what it was, that we had a plan to solve the problem from that point forward. And that, you know, we weren't trying to hide it from him because that's, that's what they want us for. And I told him when they hired me, I said, I've hired consultants. I know what to expect out of a consultant. That's why I think I would make a good one. And it turned out that I did a pretty good job there in the transition. So. Um, because yeah, um, there are some companies that will, uh, my friend had a, my friend, um, an IT person for another company that's going to remain nameless because they're big, gigantic and global and scary as hell. But they, um, uh, he went to, um, his mother died and he went to their, you know, had a call off to go to their funeral and there's some BFE town in, in, um, some BFE part of the country and they sent, um, actually sent people out there to investigate to actually make sure he was actually at the funeral. So there are, Tons that's of scumbags. So yeah. Sad. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, oh, yeah. It's it's super scummy, and I wish I could tell you the company. I, I I'll tell you when we're not recording because they're like I said, <laughs> they're a gigantic global right, right. pound you in the butt with lawyer company. So, um, but right. And the company are, I work for is a, is a Fortune 500. I mean, this is a big, big, big company. But if you go look, it's in the top ten of customer of employee satisfaction every year. Yeah. But so uh, uh, look for those. Look for those listings. If you're looking for a big company to work for. Uh, whatever, look those listings up because they're important. They do mean something. All right. Wrapping it up. We're at two or two and a half hours. I'm calling it quits. We're done. We're done. The show's done. We're done. Let's go wrap we this. Could go, we could go so much longer. I know. You know that. I, oh, I our definitely. first, how long was our first wall? Huh? Uh, low key. Low key. How, it was how like four hours. We were like hour. four hours yeah. in the first one. And who told us we couldn't do that? <laughs> <laughs> and who's been doing three hour? <laughs> well, I've been keeping them to an hour and a half for the last few. This is this one I have allowed to go long because it was a very interesting topic, and I feel that and it's important for yeah, and it was very important because um, 
in you know for you know specifically Justin for any of the like young IT person is probably be listen to this okay um, All right. you have so before you go before you go though you know Tobotoros has not done if you still have questions if you still want advice anything like that not just about technology but anything like that please visit us go to the discord talk to people who are there somebody will have knowledge about the topic you're wanting the information on mm-hmm. Talk in chat if you find that you you'd rather have a, a voice talk with somebody, ask them to get on the on the voice channels. Talk to them. Yep. Everybody there is is open and friendly and want to be there to help each other. Mm-hmm. That's what the community is for. Yep, uh, it's okay. Hey, we like talking about tech. We like helping with the community. Like uh, like dear leader said, you know, it's all about creating a community and almost making this place feel like family. So we want to help everybody out. And there's so many people in various different places. In IT, at different levels of experiences, like you, um, like I think I saw Michael in there too, was also talking about on the Discord about stuff. Like I said, there's a lot of us on there, so you know, a lot of good information in there. So, like I said, thank you all for uh, tuning in to Low Key Wall. I know this one went super long on the tooth, and Spangle's probably going to kill me because this one is probably going to barely fit through the podcast feed out there. But hopefully, you know. Although I do download this thing and made it this far in the episode, you guys are awesome. You could have listened to anything in the world, but you decided to listen to Low Key Wall. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, going to for the shilling, uh, we've got on um, this Friday, we've got Liberty and Chill at Triton again. We're doing our, uh, hopefully I'll get the IRL stream going for that. And then we'll do some Paladins gaming after that. Um, and um, um, I, I'm probably, if I can't fall asleep after drinking all this coffee from this one, I'll probably do some Paladins game. I don't know if I'll stream it or not. You know, it all depends on how I feel or if I don't get terrible Russians playing that game. Um, uh, Ryan Holm, you, uh, you want to show? Well, by the way, it's either you you streaming that or we're streaming uh, the other thing. So I'd rather see you streaming the game. Um, <laughs> so yeah, name's Ryan Hold. You can get me on social media at. Uh, it's on Twitter at Reinhold or Reinhold TV for my media stuff, uh, Twitch for Reinhold TV. Um, and that podcast, the, and the podcast of Politinerd at Politinerd.com will be coming live. I've got the first couple of, uh, uh, first couple episodes are recorded. They're being edited. They should be up in a couple of day or two, hopefully by, by Friday. Uh, Escola Plus, are you still with us or you went to sleep? We're going to assume Escola. He did. Yeah. All right. Uh, Nice, do you uh, you guys have to plug? Nice? Like, uh, plug what? You got anything you want to plug? You want to shoot out? Dude, like, uh, all night I'm primary, maybe? Yeah, I I got my (laughs) primary. Like, I mean, if if you're in District 4, like, Go grab one of those Republican ballots. Select my name. I mean, <laughs> shit, you can't go wrong. Yep, there you like go. I'll, 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 I'll fucking if I get elected, I'll be playing Paladins while I'm fucking voting on like spending bills. I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> How hard is it to vote no on everything, right? Let's <laughs> vote no on this. It's like, but it's 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 about feeding the children. I don't care. Yep. Get, they can get their own food. <laughs> feed them out of your own pocket. You don't need to yeah. point a gun at somebody to feed them. Yep. 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 I don't point guns. I point recreational McNukes. <laughs> All right. Es- wanna... es- Escalate. Yeah. All right. Do you have anything you want to show real quick? Uh, absolutely not. 
Uh, well, there is something um, actually that Escalja and I are both doing is that on Saturday on the Twitch channel is we're doing a D and D stream. Uh, there's uh, four four people do, do, doing this stream, um, uh, so you can always come in and join us. That it's at 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Uh, on uh, it'll be on either Reinhold TV or uh, Latrodectus VS is the other streamer who's streaming it as well. So just come join and listen to us really play badly D and D, and we make jokes all the time all through it. It's uh, more fun than it is trying to be perfect. Yeah, I almost forgot that happens from week to week. We uh, we had we had a little uh, breakdown last week, so uh, our DM unfortunately lost his voice, which is kind of important uh, when you're doing a D and D stream that your DM can talk. No, it's uh, not. But I'm sure he'll be he'll be good to go this next Saturday. And um, we had to cut the one previous to that short because my dogs decided to break through their uh, wireless leads and, and head on down the road about a mile and a half. So I had to go chase him down. It's crazy. It's crazy stuff there. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening to Low Key Well. I'll see you guys hopefully next week. Hopefully we can get Towboater RS on the the voice chat to talk about the um, all the water that he had down in uh, down there down his neck of woods down there uh, on the river. So they would love to hear about that because we haven't seen him really in the um, the Discord for a while. I'm, I'm going to assume he has just been super busy. So thank you everyone coming out. Have a have a nice day. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye 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 bye.